Welcome to the playground. My name is Addie Flewellen. I am your host. And my hey, guest Eddie. today is Bill Champlin. And if you don't recognize that note, if you don't recognize that name and note too, man, let, let's go back. Let's go back. First of all, I am like crazy, crazy, crazy honored because I, I, I mean, as I told Bill when we first talked about this, I'm like 64 years old and I've, I've followed this man's career since I was in my teens. And right now I'm feeling like I'm back in my teens. And Bill told me, hey, if I make you feel young again, that's a good thing. I'll never forget that. So I'm good. <laughs> so Bill. Well, Tamara had a great saying at one point. She says, hey, I may be old, but I'm immature. That counts for something. <laughs> <laughs> and there you go. And this is going to be fun. Again, I'm so looking forward to this. I'm so looking forward to this. Before we get started, I promised my daughter because I, I, uh, when, when we had said that we were going to do this, I called my daughter and told her that I was going to have you as a guest on the show. And the reason that's important, I said, you know, I'm going to be sure to mention this one thing to Bill, right? And first of all, she was crazy excited because um, I believe it was 90... Uh, I can't... I, I can't think, 2006 that Chicago 30 came out, right? And on that album was a song called uh, Already Gone. Yeah. Right, right? Yeah. Which Bill wrote and sang and all that stuff. Great, great, great song. But I wrote uh, that, daughter, that George, George Hawkins Jr. George was oh. the bass, he played bass with Fogarty, Giroux. He was with, uh, oh, wow. with Ken Hawkins during the period of time, that 12 years where Kenny was smoking like a freight train, 10 or 12 years, something like that. Wow. George, wow. one of my favorite bass players, and he mm -hmm. passed away a couple of years ago. And I oh, miss I'm him, Just a sweetie. I'm, I'm sorry. Sorry to hear that. But he and I wrote that, knocked it off, and got it on the great, record. Great, great, great song. And the reason I bring that up, my daughter was 10 years old at the time, and what stuck out with her, I mean, she's singing the song and this, that, and the other, is the thank you very next. Right? <laughs> and That's since George. that day, since yeah. that day, that's all she says. Whenever thank you comes up to her, oh, thank you very next. Thank you very yeah. next. Yeah, that's a George line. Thank you very, instead of thank you very much, now what? You know? Right, right. <laughs> I'm telling you, that guy was as funny as anybody on the earth. I mean, it's really? insane. And, and had a is ball that, with him. Is that the meaning behind that? Thank you very much, now what? I mean, is that what that, what that whole thing is Basically, about? Basically, yeah. It's kind of a little bit like, thank you very next. In other words, Thank you, but I'd rather talk to somebody else. <laughs> I think that's kind of where it where it sort of came out. It's a uh -huh. little bit of a of a you know. I mean, Tristan Bowden had one you know where he's in a conversation with somebody and somebody answers the telephone right after Chris, Tristan has asked a question and he just goes, "Nice talking to you." <laughs> okay, so it's that. Okay, or a okay. Hollywood party where you're talking to somebody and they're looking over your shoulder to see if they can see somebody more important. You know. Right. Oh, okay. Okay. And to this, like yeah. I said, to this day, that's how she answers. It's always, thank you. Thank you very next. Thank you very next. You know, so I told her that <laughs> yeah, you know, I when I talked to her, I was going to be sure to give her I mean, a he shout just, out. He threw it, George threw it in when we were writing it. And I just went, yeah, what, what the hell? Let's go for it. Yeah. And of course you're you singing know. and you got the attitude in there too. It's it's great. It's awesome. So I told her that was going to be the oh, first question. Oh, demo. I was going to send Ashley a shout out. So Ashley, there's your answer right there. That's how that whole thing came about. Ashley, right. you've got a you've got a great ear for phraseology. <laughs> <laughs> and she majored in English, by the way. So thank you. <laughs> that's really? great. Well, then, yes. Yeah. Then yeah. you should be writing songs. I mean, that's probably one of the reasons I I do well writing songs that I was really an English whiz, just when I was younger, I mean, like eighth, ninth grade. Oh. Okay. I could diagram the Declaration of Independence. You know what I mean? What? What? So when you're writing, when you're writing lyrics, you want to say something, but it's not fitting. There's a couple of ways to do it. You know, you mm -hmm. change where the 
where the verb goes, you change where the adjectives go. You can, there's a lot of stuff you can do and having a little bit of an eyeball on English really helps. Right, right. You know? So you're all the way in then. I mean, you, I mean, you like use the language to, I mean, you, like you just mentioned verbs and that. Language, and that the, English language. In. I mean, look at George Carlin. He used it he, with him. The English language was a weapon of mass destruction, but there you he go. was very, 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 very good with the English language. And some mm -hmm. people are, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and, and I was, oh, okay. I was trying to do what I can to get a little bit of street stuff in it. So it doesn't sound too academic. So, mm -hmm. and that's mm -hmm. kind of, you know, as one, I was riding with a guy one time, it was uh, Steve Diamond. Mm -hmm. And, you know, nothing came of the song, but I mentioned to him, I said, man, I was singing on a demo for a guy one time. Mm -hmm. and, he, and one of the words of his song was juxtaposition, right? Wow. And I okay. Went, that's not a, that's not a song word, you know? Right. <laughs> he was singing right. anyway. And Steve mm -hmm. said, yeah, you're right. That's not a song word. Well, wait a minute. Could be a rap word, like as in baby, it's juxtaposition. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Okay. And that's when I realized, here's a guy that knows the English language. Wow. Steve, wow. Steve's a really good songwriter. And, okay. and I, one of the reasons why is he could, you know, he's got, a, he's got a mind like that can just can find different uses and different meanings for different words, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It, it, you know, it's interesting because uh, you are a, a true composer. I mean, I, I've listened to, like I said, I've listened to you from way back and everything. And I mean, dude, is, it, is there every day that goes by that you don't write something? Because I mean, you have like so much material and, and it's not like one genre. I mean, you you cover it all. I mean, how, how do you keep that going? Especially like, especially now, like you said, there are going to be like so many albums out that define 2020, you know, and I guess for you... <laughs> In 2020, somebody said adding another it, daylight savings when the clocks change is adding another hour to 2020 is like getting a bonus track on a Yoko Ono album. Ooh. <laughs> <That was> insane. <laughs> okay. I don't, don't want to piss off okay. the Yoko fans, but there you go. <laughs> okay, okay. So for you, I mean, so it, 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 that's 2020. A lot of people are wait can't wait for it to be over. Got you. And and for you, it it wasn't like okay, well, you know, uh, everything is cut off, so I'm going to go in the studio and write. I mean, this is pretty much just a situation for you. I mean, that's what you do. I mean, you know, how how yeah. where does all this come from? You know, I'm in a I live in a house with insanely creative people. Okay. I mean, Tamara is one of the best writers I've ever written. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. She comes Tamara's with the wife. greatest. Yeah, she, yeah, she's just, and plus she's she's got a really great melodic sense. Sometimes she comes up with the great melodies. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I sent you the album, didn't you? you oh my gosh. And you know what? I, yeah. I got to tell you, you, you did send it to me and I started listening to it and I started writing out notes because I want to be sure to like give you song names and everything. And as I got like past song six, yeah. I'm like, you know what, forget this, you know, and I'm just going on and on and on. Man, great, great, great album. Really, really good. Really good. Thank you. Yeah, um, well, I mean, Tamara, Tamara and and Gary Falcone and I wrote a good portion of that record. You know, really, like that first song, uh, uh, "Reason to Believe," mm -hmm. is a track that uh, that Bruce Guy, just a, a dear friend of ours, plays guitar. Mm -hmm. Hadn't played a lot lately; he's had some physical problems. But uh, he dug into his stash of tracks and came up with one that had George Hawkins on bass, oh, wow. mm -hmm. Vinnie Caliuto on drums, and the rest of it oh, was geez. George playing keys and guitars. Mm -hmm. And Tamara and I heard it, and it was it was like a, a race to see who could find the pencil and paper first. Wow! Really? We were on that thing like white on rice. It was insane. Uh -huh. I mean, I had that thing recorded vocally, recorded and done in no time at all. And then I put a like a little fake organ on it. And then when I was got around to doing the rest of the record, I went to Carmen Grillo's house where my B3 lives and oh, okay. re-recorded re, re the real B3. This is a giant difference. 
I got you. The okay, because I, I I was going to ask you what Bill Bill Champlin does fake organs. That just doesn't sound right. So, well, I don't have room for it in my house. So I'll just uh-huh. knock one off just to see how it feels because uh-huh. they feel okay. I mean, they sound okay, but mm-hmm. man, I'm sorry. It's not the real I gotta, thing. I got to have this. Mm-hmm. I hear you. I hear you. It's not the real so, thing. And so I went and replaced all of all the fake organs with real organs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think there's one fake organ on there, and that's something that Matheson played. It was oh, it sounded so wow. good. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, in your list of songs here, I have like another light. That was a, a great, great song. I mean, again, I what another was it, 14 life's... songs? 14 songs on there? 16? There are 14, so- 14 songs, songs, but I think on what I sent you, there was 16 because okay. the last two were were for the uh, Japanese release, and they always they always demand two bonus tracks so when i was mixing and mastering i went i'm going to make sure that i get this in advance gotcha so it's just ready to go when it's done Uh uh uh-huh um i'll tell you my song a a a stevie song another lie another lie is there's a pretty serious story there yeah Yeah, okay i wonder yeah yeah my son passed away my older son uh, i'm sorry passed away i don't know three years ago maybe Mm -hmm. maybe four Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, he had esophageal cancer. We we kind of weren't talking a lot for a lot of years, and then when he pulled up with cancer, we just actually became really good friends because mm-hmm. we were dealing with that. Mm-hmm. And then he passed. He passed the day after I was diagnosed with uh, a different kind, you know, different oh. kind of cancer. So it was a it was a rough week. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, he always had a had a tendency because he was kind of into into prescriptives a lot. He always had a tendency to tell lies a lot. Mm-hmm. And at one point, I said. And I said, man, I'd, I'd give anything to hear another lie. And she said, oh, my God, you write that down. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that it took me about two years to yank that one out of me. That one took a while. And, I'm sure. Uh, it's a pretty deep, pretty mm-hmm. deep song. Mm-hmm. But somebody somebody said to me, or I, I think I read it somewhere. It says, if it's not personal, it's not art. Ah. So I took that to heart. I mean, there's always the traditional blues is, baby, you left me. I don't dig right. it. You know, always, right. there's that kind of lyrics and I'm good at those. I can do those. And I, and I think this is, yes, you are. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. I mean, just for, just for funk lyrics, you know, you know, mm-hmm. they're all, I mean, I can be kind of funny if I want to, but uh, there's, you know, I've also, I've also had a, a history of writing pretty deep personal things. And yeah, this oh, album, yeah. I just went, I'm, I'm going as long as I can go on this. Really? So that's why okay. reason to believe was really good. It was a real gratitude song. Gotcha. Uh, it was really for Bruce, uh, Bruce and his family and me and mine. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, in that list. And again, I, I had to stop after a while. Cause I've been like, okay, I'm writing too many notes. I just got, I want to sit back and listen to this. Cause again, I mean, dude, you, you, you brought it as, as like, like you have never done before. I mean, dude, you brought it on this one. So are there a lot of like stories I, like that where they're like, I personal? like the album. Yeah. I like the album. They're, you know, my time is definitely personal. The last, the last 14th song. Mm-hmm. definitely mm-hmm. deep and you know i just kind of went well you know people could say well champlin's gone left and he's he's becoming a maudlin country writer you know what i mean wow. i lost my dog i lost my pickup <laughs> and i you know that's not what it's about it's real uh-huh, you know? uh-huh. it's a pretty I, real thing usually when someone dies when they write about him and they try to make it like he was an angel when he was alive but mm-hmm. i didn't want to mm-hmm. write that song that didn't make okay. a lot of sense to me okay Two songs so anyway, that I, def- I, I definitely wanted to ask you about on this one. First of all, a Stevie song. I needed a one slow back thing. I've been watching TV and I've been watching people 
you know, just burning places down and screaming on the street, just yelling and yelling and yelling. Mm -hmm. just, you, you watch anything and everybody's out there yelling and yelling and yelling. Mm -hmm. And I'm realizing what are the music, what's the music that this generation that's out here is listening to? Mm -hmm. They're listening to yelling and yelling and yelling. Mm-hmm. What happened to Marvin Gaye? What happened to, to Stevie? Those things, those guys, you know, that music is still here. It's so melodic. It's mm -hmm. so beautiful. It's so touching mm -hmm. that I just, I, the next thing I knew, I was writing this. Oh, okay. Because I had something to say about it. I, I, basically what it was about, just get inside a Stevie song and that yelling, that volume will come down. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That anger may come down. That that uh, you know feeling you know the, stevie has in all of his music a certain feeling of faith that's true and uh, and gratitude that's in his Very that's true. in his music so i was you know and it was this, it was you know god he has been such a big played such a big part in just about everybody's life mm -hmm. whether they that's know true. it that's true Very that, true. Uh, it was time for somebody to say something about it and I, man and i figured i would and you did you really did and i hope the people that are Steve watching Sarah, this are, are, are i hope people that are watching I hope people that are watching this are like take notes as far as like these song titles because again the whole cd is good but i mean these are the ones that stuck out to me and again like i said I, i'm like i'm listening to all this stuff and i'm like trying to take notes and it's like okay i can't take any more notes i'm going to listen to this this cd is that it really really is and i'm not just saying that i mean that it really is um well, i said you. it was going to be two songs i was going to mention um uh, too too good for too long the groove on that one dude <laughs> man <laughs> well that's alan hurts on drums uh-huh i played bass it was written by me and andreas carlson now andreas carlson you know who he is i've heard the he, name he's he was a big writer he wrote uh, he wrote bye 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 wrote, wrote a lot of stuff with max martin he's had more hits than my dogs had fleas you know what i mean <laughs> i'm not talking about ukuleles you know uh -huh. but, uh, but he's you know and he's i've known him since he was a kid since he was 18 or 19 great singer uh -huh. And he and I just, we just, I had a little groove and he, he and I got down and wrote it. And he says, well, let me bring the lyrics that we got. Mm -hmm. And we wrote some lyrics together. It was all happening. He went home, took them home, came back, had just, just customized them and put them together in such a great way. I just went, oh man, wow. this guy's uh -huh. as good uh -huh. as it gets, you know? Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And, uh, and Andreas is like one of my, one of my dearest friends. I've known him since he was 19 and I've just watched him go from being a busboy at Cafe Opera in Stockholm really? to being, I mean, he, he, I mean, he owns, he, he's the CEO and he runs, I don't know, a bunch of universities. Mm -hmm. He's way into, uh, into writing. He wrote, uh, like I say, he wrote almost, co-wrote co most, most of those big Britney, Britney Spears things, Backstreet Boys, mm -hmm. uh, Celine mm -hmm. Dion. He's just written hits up the ass, you know what I mean? Oh, okay. those, gotcha. But we, we've still maintained pretty close, you know, when he's in town, I mean, he, he has two, he lives here and he lives in Stockholm. Okay, okay. So, and he's um, just, uh, and with that, we got into that and, you know, and I just, I started cutting it the minute we had it written. Gotcha, gotcha. Before we get too far, because I did, I, I neglected, I, for, I forgot about that part. As far as, the, what is the name of the CD? Or is there a name yet? CD's Living for Love. Living for Love, okay. There's got kind it. of a, the third song on there is kind of a bluesy song almost. Yep. Almost okay. Like, I mean, my when Alan Hurts, the drummer on it, heard it, he said, "This sounds like a Bonnie Raitt song or something." Ah, uh, okay. It's, which is a little different than most of the record, right? You know, the song right. before is a Greg Matheson thing, you know, uh -huh. especially me, which is up and in your face. We had Mark Russo stack some, you know, five saxes on it, right? Right. And it, yeah, it's the second song on the record. 
Okay. And, uh, you know, Greg, Greg and I wrote three songs. Greg and I have written some really cool stuff. I think we may have written, co-written uh, Al Jarreau's last hit. Oh, a song called wow. Just To Be Loved. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, You've been, that was dude, me and Greg I mean, wrote that. And I stacked all the vocals, all the backgrounds on that. Right, right. Paul, Paul Brown brought it over and says, hey, just do what you did on your record and you're going to like this. It's down a, it's down a whole tone. <laughs> <laughs> I went, cool, got it. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I mean, at the beginning of your career, it seems like every year you're you're like, you know, you're out there. And I don't know if people know this. Like you were saying, it's um people don't this stuff is out and people don't know that they're listening to like this, you know. They don't know that this is that person or whatever. And I right. think that holds true as far as Bill Chamberlain. It's like, did you know that this Bill Chamberlain singing, you know, uh, you know, that sing all these different um in the heat of the night. That's him singing the lead on that on that song. You know, yeah. like TV yeah. yeah, yeah, the TV. The, the, TV. the original record was Ray Charles. <laughs> right, oh, right, right, right. And that's what I meant, the TV show. Oh, when it's Ray. Mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. No, mm -hmm. the, the thing is, it's funny that I, I had the, the manager that we had with Chicago at the time. We were backstage at it. Actually, I think it might have been the Stardust. We were backstage. We were playing a gig there. Here in Vegas? We were about to get in to start working with Earth, Wind & Fire for a summer tour. Uh-huh. And Peter said to me, he says, you know, is there a song that you could, that you could sing with Earth, Wind & Fire? And I went... <laughs> Peter, how about the biggest really? hit they ever had? Yeah, I said, how about After the Love is Gone? I co-wrote the song, you know? Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And went, wow, you did? And right at that time, you know, 20 seconds later, there was a TV on in there, and there was, uh, in the, the, the theme from In the Heat of the Night was playing. He goes mm -hmm. over and changes the channel because there was a football game on that he wanted to see. And I went, I said, Peter. No way. Took it back, put it back on the, uh, put it back on that, you know, on, on that theme. I says, anything familiar about this to you? Uh -huh. He says, yeah, it's Carol O'Connor, Archie Bunker. I got it. Yeah, it's really good. I said, I mean, the singer, does the singer sound like somebody? Said, well, yeah, some R&B singer. I said, dude, that's there me. You go. Mm, mm. <laughs> it's been playing in people's living rooms for, I don't know, 30 years? Yeah, for years. years for years. Yep, yep. And, and, you know, he didn't even know that right around then is when I went, yeah, he's not exactly my manager. He no, idea. <laughs> no idea what I do. That's that's he was going. You know, hey, maybe you could do some of that R and B stuff that you do, like maybe do with with Earth, Wind, and Fire, like maybe do Midnight Hour. And I went, okay, hold uh, it right there. It's just, you uh -huh. know, if mm -hmm. Earth, Wind, and Fire is going to do a cover, it's going to be a Stevie tune. It's going to be a, a Donny Hathaway song. It's going to mm -hmm. be any number of stuff. But it's, they're not going to go back to to right. you know. Right. To Wilson Pickett. The only people that play Wilson Pickett songs are old white guys dressing like young white guys trying to sound like old black guys. <laughs> That's about what you're gonna get out of. I mean, I, or, believe me, I love or 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 cover bands in Las Vegas. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know, how many times have you heard uh, what is the one Mustang Sally? Right. Goes, yeah, that's the one. That's the one. <laughs> Mustang. And you know what? I don't even know the words to it. And I, I, hey, sing it. Yeah, no, I know Mustang Sally. And you know, you know what's funny about that? Because when, when, when me and some of the guys get together, we talk about that song in particular, and especially as far as the cover bands here in Las Vegas that cover that song. It's like, yeah. you know what? I have yet to hear somebody do it like Wilson Pickett did, Wilson Pickett did it, you know? Well, Wilson Pickett, Wilson. it was funky. I mean, the way he did it, you know? And no well, band does you know, it like that. You know, who produced it and who played on it was the Booker T and the NGs and Steve Crawford. There you go. 
There you and go. they've always, you know, listen to the Otis Redding stuff. Mm -hmm. Oh, my mm -hmm. God. How mm -hmm. great is that? Yeah. I mean, I was a Motown fan right up until they started to wanted to keep redoing baby, baby. Uh -huh. Where did I love go? You know, all right, that. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and it just, they kind of went to a little bit stupid. I'm, sh I'm sure they were making a whole lot more money than they were Big before that. Yeah, right, right. But mm -hmm. I mean, before that, I mean, God, you know, Marvin Gaye, please. Mm -hmm. You know, that guy could sing Time, News, and Weather and make it work. Uh. <laughs> they, had a, they had a thing a little while ago. Uh, it was somebody just posted it. It was an ISO vocal of Marvin Gaye singing uh, Grapevine. Mm -hmm. And it's it's exquisite how mm -hmm. good he sings. I mean, mm -hmm. right there says, this is what R&B is about. This is how there good go. it really can get. You mm -hmm. know? Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, everything's got to be cute and cute and cute. And then along comes Sam and Dave. Uh, Albert King, Otis Redding. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, Stacks Volt started kicking. I, I've been aware of, of Booker T for a long time, but it it all just jumped, jumped right. big time. They start when actually when Steve started producing that stuff, things uh -huh. started getting really good. Mm -hmm. You know, wow. proper proper to me is one of the most creative rhythm guitar players. He's it, got the absolute perfect combination of brilliance and ignorance mm -hmm. all in one in one wow. passage nice wow. get to albert king born under a bad sign album now albert's playing lead on it but listen to the rhythm stuff and mm -hmm. steve just every mm -hmm. song mm -hmm. excellent excellent just, just one of those one of those guys sweetie pie too is a lovely man it's yeah one of my because Tamara sang with blues brothers for a while and steve was in that so we mm -hmm. kind of we kind of were close to him oh okay okay um, next question I'm going to ask you, yeah, I'm sure by the way, I do go on tangents <laughs> <laughs> and that, that's, that's fine. Why I write that's fine. Like, because follow, I mean, I want, follow, I want people to know, I want everybody to know, please. I'm sure you saw, told the story a thousand times after the love is gone, after the love is gone. What is, how did that come about? I mean, it's, first of all, start the whole process is like, okay, the, the inspiration behind the song was what, and then the next step was, you know, you put it out there and then did. Earth, When the Fire picks it up and makes it theirs. Yeah, oh, and we started off with uh, we needed a we we needed one more ballad. David didn't think that we had that we were short one. That's really David good Foster by David system. Foster by the way for anybody keeping score. That's David Foster anyway. And now David's really really close to Jay Graydon, and they they happen to be writing some stuff. All of a sudden, David started coming up with his stuff. So him and Jay had pretty much written the progression, and the and mm. the, the 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 sequence going into uh, what at the time was a guitar solo. Mm -hmm. You know the key change it goes from c minor is is the, right. the key it's the starting key of the chorus because it goes through mm -hmm. about four keys in one chord mm -hmm. right, right and then and then up do the same thing but up an f so i mean that mm -hmm. that was cool mm -hmm. and uh and david said hey i got this this thing and he did it and he kind of sang after the love is gone mm -hmm. with with what he was playing he said that's all i got vocally but i like wow. it so i had to, i had to write the lyrics backwards from there I couldn't just start with nothing. I had to go, well, that's at the chorus. What am I going to do on the verse and everything? It had to, it had to somehow go to that. Oh, okay. And then gotcha. But I mean, because that was the that was the linchpin of the thing. And I said, well, hey, put, you know, play the play the piano part, put it on a put it on a cassette and I'll write it. He said, No, 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 I gotta teach it to you. Oh. It took me longer to, to learn the piano part. As far as like the different chord progressions. Uh, yeah, okay. and you know, I think one of the things about that record that's really cool is Letter B 
something happened along the way. Yes. Mm -hmm. People, when they first heard it, thought that was the chorus. Mm, mm, mm -hmm. And then it hit the chorus, and it was like, this song's got two choruses. Okay. In okay. a lot of ways, you know, one's uh -huh. a little simpler than the other. But mm -hmm. uh, uh, so, and it was all fine, and we, we, we cut a demo on it at, at Jay's. We got the drummer, Duras Maxwell's a really good drummer, but he wasn't quite right for this song. Mm -hmm. And we cut mm -hmm. it a couple times with him. At the time, David was working as a piano. He was just playing piano, I think, on September, a couple of Earth, Wind, and Fire mm -hmm. things. Mm -hmm. And he was just on a break, and he was just playing the thing. And Maurice walked over and went, what the hell is that? Uh, so David said, well, it's a song that, that, that we're, that we're going to put on Bill's album. And uh, and he was aware of my record. He actually wanted to get three or four more songs if I would if I would mm -hmm. agree to not not record it myself. I went, mm -hmm. yeah, the one is fine, but let's not go with the other three. That was a big one of my uh, what I call Suzanne Summers career moves. <laughs> not, not not the smartest move I've ever made. But anyway, uh, 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 neither here nor there. So so uh, uh, he he heard it, uh, listened to it, told David, says I'll we'll put this on. I am. If mm -hmm. uh, if you guys if if you guys you know choose mm -hmm. to not release it on your record, and I hadn't really cut a great demo on it yet. Now again, these are which songs? Which songs are these? Uh, did you say September? Which for the single album? My, oh, okay. my uh, oh, the single. Okay, album. got you, got you. Yeah. So we just kind of, it was written for that album, and it ended up going on I Am, which oh, was okay. a great move. Got you. you. Know. The thing is, it was funny. Is that David right after they they released that record? David happened to be in New York on a regular basis. He was producing uh, Hall and Oates along the Red Ledge album. Uh, and they had their sessions started at noon or one. And David went over to the to the uh, to to the CBS building and knocked on doors and went, you got to release this as a single. And they said, nah, Earth, Wind and Fire is like a dance band, boogie band, you know, mm. and they, they kind of related to Earth, Wind and Fire as being, you know, a, sort of a black Casey in the sunshine band. Said, Come on, you know, here's <laughs> wow. some great music here. These guys have done, mm -hmm. some, you know, this album's got some unbelievably great stuff mm -hmm. on it. Mm -hmm. And I think Boogie Wonderland was the first single on it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, which is fine, but mm -hmm. after the love of, uh, they should have written in the stone, stone is like, you know, it's one of the finest pieces of music ever yes. written. Yeah, for my I mind. agree. And it really kind of showed that those guys that those guys were available were able to go anywhere. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But you know, and so David just I think they released it as a single, just threw it at the wall, just to get David out of their face. <laughs> well, I mean, one of the first times David ever really did that. Uh -huh. And uh, you know, I got to hand it to him. I, you know, I owe him everything on that one because he, wow. he made it happen. Diane uh -huh. Warren does that. She she'll follow a record up. It's like babies. Some people have babies and they walk away from them and hope they live. <laughs> Diane sticks okay. with them all the way through the baby's master's degree you know she sticks uh, with them all the way even to the point of uh, hopping on a plane and going and 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 you know uh, arm wrestling program directors mm -hmm. in the middle of the country mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. uh, just to mm -hmm. get on the song everybody else is doing it that happened with look away she went and she went to a couple of program directors who didn't want to get on it where's wow. the horns where's the chicago where's mm. the tenor Where's mm -hmm. this? Where's that? And finally, they went on, and, and that song just went through the roof. It was a monster. That song totally took off. It was, well, yeah. it was like I think it might have been Diane's very first uh, big ballad, big like mm -hmm. rock ballad. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. but she's a she's an amazingly prolific writer. And totally. the thing about all of her stuff is passionate. It's all really, mm-hmm. really passionate. It's not just baloney. It's real. It, mm-hmm. She's a, she's a good friend. A good. I don't see her all the time, but you know, whenever uh-huh. we get together, it's all, we always have a great laugh. And she's I'm sure. It's, and mm-hmm. She, mm-hmm. Yeah. And as far as songwriting, hey, I mean, it's like David, total magic. She and David got together for uh, "Unbreak My Heart," and Foster arranged that. Ah, for, right. Uh, Tony Braxton. Right. Amazing. Yeah, oh, okay. really. The, the the chord change into the chorus is one of those goosebump chord changes, mm-hmm. just like mm-hmm. the chord change into after into the chorus of After the Love. Yeah, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I remember the first. Just, I yeah. remember the first time I heard that. Earth, Wind, and Fire, of course, back in the mighty, mighty days and all that stuff. They were like just this awesome killer, killer, killer band. And then this song comes out. And it's like, whoa, okay, yeah. <laughs> whoa. Next, yeah, <laughs> right. Here we right. Go. <laughs> Thank you very next. Yes, thank you very next. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Maurice was, and and in the early days when they had Charles Stepney working for him, it was it was screaming. There was some pretty cool stuff going on, you know. Okay. Excuse me, I'm I'm dealing with bedhead and hay fever. So there you go. I mean, like I said, tell my oncologist, you guys are doing pretty good with cancer. Any chance of tackling that pesky hay fever business? Right. <laughs> right. Said, Can you no, but if with- you hear of anything, let me know. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So, so moving on, turn your love around. Another monster hit. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh huh. That was a, that was one of my one. Of, I mean, I've had a couple of assignment writings, and that was an assignment writing. Really? Uh, David, uh, no, not David. Uh, Jay mm-hmm. had come up with this bass line, and he got together with Lukather. Steve mm-hmm. Lukather, the guitar yeah. player Monster. from uh, Toto, Toto. Was yep. an amazingly great guitar player. But mm-hmm. Luke got on the piano. They ended up putting, you know, Jay's a good piano player also, but they ended up putting together, uh, you know, putting together the song and called me in to do the lyrics on it. And uh, this time they went ahead and made a cassette and they pretty much had the melodies and stuff. I just had to fill them in. And it, it was it was really weird because, uh, I mean, I wrote the melodies on the on the bridge, I think. Mm-hmm. Girl, you know me. I'm a daughter, mm-hmm. da, 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 that thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, he, they, he, uh, they just, uh, you know, we cut a demo at Jay's studio. I sang it, and then when mm-hmm. when they brought in George to do it, George, Jay said, "Hey man, sing it your own way." He said, "No, nah, Bill's, you know, whatever Bill did, it's it's the kind of the melody, melody of the song. Let's just go ahead on." Uh huh. Uh-huh. And uh, it ended up really being cool, you know. Jay and okay. Steve just wrote a monster. Got you, got you. In I that, tell you where, I don't want to tell you where Jay was when he wrote the baseline, but you figured no, it out. No, <laughs> <laughs> okay, then. Another guy that you, you could be doing stand-up comedy and, and really and be uh-huh. up there with the big timers. Yeah, got you. One of my you. a fun hang, man. Jay's always uh-huh. a fun hang. Uh huh. Um, let's well, let's go. Let's star players on the earth. Oh my gosh! You know, Steely yeah. Dan's Peg. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's Jay. Mm. Oh, okay. Man- yeah, Manhattan transfers, uh, uh, Twilight Zone, all the mm. wire choir stuff in the middle. Yeah, of it, that's Jay. Jay. Jay does the wire choir you know, guitar stacking uh-huh. as good as anybody on the earth. Another monster. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, let's go. Let's. There's my co-producer. <laughs> Pissed at me for not singing the notes he wants me to sing. There you go. Hey, hey, and, and you're used probably, to that, right? On this al- album, I probably spent half of the vocals because I just sit down and sing. I, you know, one time I said, "Well, why don't you stand up and sing?" 
Uh-huh. So, well, why didn't Ray Charles? Why doesn't Elton John? How about Nat Cole? I, that way I could just sit there. I got a microphone. I got punch in, punch out. Mm-hmm. I could just mm-hmm. take care of myself. But mm-hmm. I usually have a papillon in my lap while it's happening. Mm-hmm. If I remember correctly, there was a story about Alita Adams that was like the same thing when she did uh, Get Here, you know, and they had her stand yeah. behind the mic and somehow it just wasn't like the, you know, the song they got used to. They set her behind the piano and that did it, you know. And that's the version yeah. that we heard. Somebody told me a story that, that when Wexler was producing Aretha's first album, mm-hmm. the first um, album on Atlanta, he mm-hmm. had an album on, on CBS that was a, a little different thing, a lot of strings and stuff. Mm-hmm. They, didn't, they didn't get her. They didn't know what she was about. Mm-hmm. Jerry knew what she was about. So he brought in all those cats that he brought in, you know, mm-hmm. great players, monsters. Red, right. Mm-hmm. And, and, it's, and she was singing and she was just kind of throwing it, you know, that had her standing up. And at one point, Jerry went, I'm going to try this. Mm-hmm. He said, Aretha, we've got the we've got the Wurlitzer player over there, but we really need a grand piano on it. There's nobody here. Could you play it and sing it at the same time? And the skies opened up. Wow. The wow. minute she put her hands on it, boom. Uh-huh. It, really? That, that whole thing happened. Yeah. I mean, I saw it happen one time. She wow. was, I think it was the second inauguration party for the second term of Bill Clinton. And, and Aretha's band played. I said, well, I'm going to check this. I haven't seen Aretha's band in a while. And she was kind of, what you want? Maybe I got it. Yeah, mm-hmm. here we go. Right, like right, that. exactly. <laughs> and, and believe me, I get it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And uh, so she, at one point, she just kind of looked over and there was a grand piano, mm-hmm. a little bit off the stage, but it was mic'd. And there was a microphone right by it. And she said, I'm going to try something different. Mm-hmm. And she said, guys, take a break. And she just went on and started playing piano and singing. And it was like, and right, oh, right, right, there it is. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then Lou Rawls, who was my singing teacher, he didn't know it, but he was. Uh, right. uh, oh, yeah, I was in the Lou big time when I was in school. Like, uh-huh. uh, phrasing. Uh-huh. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, so Lou comes out to sing and she starts playing Tobacco Road in the original key, which was C. Oh, my God. Lou had been doing it in G just because he got lazy. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And she brought it out of Lou. You know, as opposed mm-hmm. and, and in addition to bringing it out of herself, and I was just going, some people just play better when it's what's going on. I was just I just watched the uh, Santa Fe interview mm-hmm. with Jerry, and he said, you know, when they recorded, they brought everybody in mm-hmm. if, to play, even if they were just scratch tracks, just mm-hmm. so nobody'd be playing through the holes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it was just you know, it was just brilliant. You know, that mm-hmm. way everybody this way it feels like the band, and Amazing. you know, instead of doing well, we're gonna do the rhythm section first. Write the horn charts and uh, and we'll see you in a couple of weeks. You know, uh, <laughs> which is the way most records are made. You know, I mean, uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. But, but he was saying, that, man, the engineer really got me. most of it. We kept. Got you. I wanted to ask you because you you kind of touched upon like back back in the day. You know, back in the beginning, as far as your career. First of all, are you 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 are a keyboard player? First and. It's- okay, so I mean, did you learn both at the same time, or did one come before the other, or they were just? Were just I played. There? Well, I started on keys when I was Because, I mean, you're good at both, man. I mean, come on now. (laughs) Thank you. you. Uh, Absolutely. Well, I mean, my kid's kid's a a Trotter student and a Berkeley grad. He can play circles around me, you know. Okay. You know, he's he's got a real Bachelor of Arts degree. A real Uh, one. (laughs) My BA is a bad attitude. (laughs) Uh, You know, I went to the school of... And you're certified, right? (laughs) The sash player in Chicago used to call it the... Uh, clubs he said oh upholstered sewers <laughs> i guess his dad called it that or something 
<laughs> I'm um, going to go work out tonight. Where are you going? I'm going to go hang out in an upholstered sewer. <laughs> there you go. And that right, right, right. So, yeah. so did you, did you start with, you started with piano? I started with piano uh, when I was a kid. I was reading, you know, like bar talk and stuff before I was reading English. I was way into it. My mother was a piano player. So okay. she got me with a really cool teacher who got young kids and, mm -hmm. and got me. I mean, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't ridiculous. Not like some of these. Oh, Asian, right in the beginning. Yeah, you know, some of these Asian kids are playing, you know, <laughs> just tearing it up. I'm, eh, it wasn't that, you know, but I, I showed some promise without a doubt. Uh -huh. And then my uh -huh. parents got divorced. We couldn't get the piano up oh, this hill to the house we were living in. So we uh -huh. just didn't have a piano at some point. Mm -hmm. For the next four or five years, all I wanted to be was uh, either a fireman or a or a uh, cowboy or something, you know? Oh, <laughs> I, I okay. But, okay. You know, but then uh -huh. I started hearing trumpet. You know, I wanted to be a trumpet player, you know, all of which I learned how to play. I mean, I learned, I learned how to play sax. The first Suns album, I played baritone sax on. Right. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I remember that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Okay. Doc Gupka one time says, man, I kind of caught the style of your berry player. Who was it? I looked at it. It was a doc. It was me. What? I had picked really? up the sax since. It's got to read like a shingle. Are you kidding mm -hmm. me? I'm mm -hmm. not mm -hmm. putting the roof in my mouth again. Uh -huh. yeah. Now, now you, you mentioned Doc because I was going to bring that up. You're from Oakland, from Oakland, California. Home Originally, of I was born in Oakland, but we when I was really kind of doing music, it was in Marin County. Oh, okay. So okay. it was over on the hippie side of the bay. Uh, <laughs> but still, you were associated with like uh, with 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 all those guys. I mean, Tower of Power and who oh. else? I mean, so many of them yeah. from the Bay Area. I was I was um, David Foster was producing J.P. Morgan record. Mm -hmm. And he said, you know the guys in Tower, don't you? I said, yeah. You think you could call them, see if they would put horns on some of this? So I called Doc. I said, hey, you guys, you want to run it by the guys, see if it's happening? I'm sure there'll be a double date, double session of some kind. Mm -hmm. uh, do it over at Record Plant in Sausalito. And, uh, and Doc did it. And I think it was one of the first times they went off, you know, out of the Tower of Power world and worked for somebody else. Uh-huh. Wow. And then they did they did that a lot for a long time. Somewhere along mm -hmm. the line they went, hey, this was a good idea. Mm -hmm. And Greg, Greg, you know, uh, wrote up chart on David's stuff. It all just ended up working out great. Okay. But you know, I've written songs with Doc before, sung on, on some of his solo albums and stuff. And they're pals. I mean, all those guys are pals. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Have mm -hmm. been for years. Wow. I don't okay. see them very man, they have, their new albums kicking hard. Mm. It's smoking. Haven't they lost mean, a millimeter of groove. Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. Right. Right, right. Even so, so, lost, I mean, you know, uh, Rocco's no longer with us. Since, uh, right, right. Almost, yeah. lost, almost lost Dave, uh, uh, David well, Garibaldi. That, that, tra that train, that train accident. Right, yeah. right. But how, how does that happen? I've <laughs> played know? the same club. I've walked in the same door. I've seen the same tracks. I just never saw a train on it. And who knew it, that it was, a train was going to be coming that fast? Wow, wow. Okay. Pretty nuts. Yeah. And and this is, I mean, this is a track that they're familiar with. I mean, they're familiar with the area and all that stuff. So they know how it's yeah, supposed they, to be. They've been playing Yoshi's. They've been playing Yoshi's in, uh, in Jack Yoshi's. London Square in Oakland. Oh, okay. For, uh, probably once a year for at least four or five years. Wow. Wow. I don't okay. even know whether Yoshi's is still there. A lot of clubs are, are eating it because of this virus thing. Right. They aren't, right, able, right. To, they aren't able to keep any commerce going. It's funny because I, I I thought about that story as far as like David Garibaldi and the whole train thing and everything and I'm like okay they're familiar with the area they're not this is like a a a, a track that they took who knows how many times until this time and just this thing happened just out of the blue yeah. happened 
Yeah. But they're they're okay. Anybody expected a train to come barreling through? I mean, I looked at the trash and I figured, oh, it must be like a, a little, a, a, some kind of little shuttle thing mm-hmm. to go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. No, full tilt, full tilt train. Okay. Okay. <laughs> really and it's messed up David pretty bad, but the other got the, the the and the bass player that that was with him at the time. This Rocco was sick at the time. Right. Uh, he got hurt pretty bad. He was in the oh, hospital. Oh man, I'm sorry. Sorry to hear that. I think he's okay now. I I think he may be the guy that has the gig now. Okay. And David, David is fine too. Yeah. David's kicking. Good. Right. (laughs) Right. He's got chops on his chops on it. It's like, Hey David, is your chop up? You're ready to go on the road. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, some of the groups he comes up with, it's like, dude, where did that come from? You know? Well, you know, I know who, I know who his teacher was. He he plays, he plays to to really get a really good tone out of the drums, so he doesn't mm-hmm. slam real hard. No, right. Mm-hmm. But he it is. But the tone that's coming off the drums is bigger and louder than a lot of guys who slam really hard. So right. And right. he was a Chuck Brown student. Uh, you know, I've had oh, a couple okay. of drummers and the sons were Chuck Brown students. And, uh, oh. and he, yeah, Chuck was a quite a good drummer and, uh, oh, okay. and a good teacher in the, in the Bay Area for years and years and okay. years. So it's I mean, what you, Dave was a, was a kid, you know. Gotcha. It's interesting what you just said as far as like how how he attacks the snare. I mean, he doesn't come from back here. I mean, it's like right uh, there. And way and, down. He, you know, the way to get the sound is, and, and Chuck had a way of holding the drumstick, which mm-hmm. I think Dave still uses. Mm-hmm. You, you go like that, and what you're doing is you, you you think of it as bringing the sound out of the drum. Uh, okay. Okay. He was definitely one of those drummers that made it look. He made it look easy. And I mean, with everything yeah. that he was doing, it's like, yeah. whoa. <laughs> yeah. You know, so. and you know, in a lot of ways that David and Rocco were one guy in some totally. ways because a lot, especially their grooves, their sixteens, can end up being the potential to rush, and that's where Rocco kind of held held it down. Wow. Okay. So, and in addition to being a brilliant bass player, he kind of kept the groove from going. From you know, kept it right on. I mean, I don't think they use a click by any means, but he kept it right on the BPM that the thing started. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's, gotcha. that's just somebody with Morocco and David. I mean, both of them have just a, an amazing inner clock. Ah, okay, okay, yeah. wow, wow. So, okay, so you're playing piano. Okay, you kind of move on, and then you kind of had to step away because of you know because of life. Life gets in the way and all that stuff. So you pick the piano back up. Did the guitar come along then? No, the guitar came before the got the piano back up again. Okay. Uh, I saw Elvis. That was it. Got to do this. <laughs> Elvis does that, doesn't he? <laughs> <laughs> I just went. That's cool. I mean, I, I don't think I sounded quite that good with a piece of rope and a broom, but I tried. You know? <laughs> it's either, I mean, it's like, either Elvis like or the Beatles. Millions of other people, you know. Uh huh. Uh huh. You know? Gotcha. Hey, the Beatles. The Beatles came. I, I wasn't a real fan of it until I heard Paul singing "Long Tall Sally," and I went, "Oh, mm. wait a mm-hmm. minute." Mm-hmm. There's something going on here. And then now mm-hmm. you listen to him and you realize what an amazingly great bass player that guy is. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. His parts, his notes, the way he the way he puts it on. And I think at some point in the game, the Beatles were stacking their own stuff. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. You know, John mm-hmm. was playing guitar. I don't know. I, I guess they got Ringo and a lot of the drums, but different players were brought uh-huh. in. And what and they did it, for how many tracks? <laughs> what, like eight tracks then? <laughs> well, four tracks. I mean, Sgt. Pepper is four to four. Right, the right. There has to be in mix mode from before the equipment's brought into the room. Mm-hmm, you know, because mm-hmm. you got to get the drums on, you know, on maybe two or three tracks. Right, exactly. Buy them, do another, get fly them to, to one mm-hmm. track, 
to another, mm -hmm. it's just harder, harder to do, but I've, I've done it. We, we put out a record in, uh, 1965 maybe oh, wow. called sing me a rainbow and verb records and that thing was seven generations down whoa it sounded whoa. good still, still uh -huh. sounds good uh -huh. Uh -huh. I mean, it's a little bit of a just poppy ditty you know but we, right we right 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 but nobody nobody cares nobody we were able that. i mean with with uh with real good solid production and direction and engineering hank mcgill was the engineer and randy sterling was the uh, producer on that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. uh in san francisco and uh and if they know what they're doing it it, it sweetens up pretty quick you can get a lot mm -hmm. of stuff on them i remember tim was putting a a bear uh what do you call it a bass clarinet on it mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know my sister's in to sing some stuff I and mean, it was pretty right. amazing gotcha. <laughs> you know? gotcha. and the record did okay here and there i mean uh-huh. Uh-huh. It did what it was supposed to do. <laughs> so. Well, this was AM time. Right. Yeah. Oh wow. AM radio. Ah. Yeah. Got you. Got you. So so you move on. You're you're quite the prolific piano player, keyboard player. Where does B3 fit in to all this? I'm, I remember I was driving with my mom. I remember where I was, and and for some reason, Jimmy Smith's Walk on the Wild Side with oh, with uh Walk on the Wild Side Part Two. Mm-hmm. With uh who the hell was the the horn arranger? Oliver Nelson, maybe. Mm. Oh man, my it's my my memory ain't really. I'm a uh -huh. founding member of CRS. Can't remember shit. But uh, <laughs> in any event, I remember where the I was when I, heard, when I heard and I went, uh -huh. "What is that?" I started mm -hmm. taking jobs pulling weeds for people in their garden to get an organ payment, and I and I ended up buying a Hammond. I think it was an L model or an M model, uh -huh. you know, a little smaller model. It had had the built-in, uh, it's like a console mm -hmm. that we carried around for a while. And the smallest Leslie they made, and it just wasn't loud enough. It wasn't going on. And eventually, sooner or later, I ended up with a with a B3 and a 122. And yeah. uh, that was that was the end of that story. That was it, I mean, right. <laughs> oh man, that's the if you play it right, that's the sexiest sound instrument on there. It really is. It is really a cool thing. And you can if you know that's why the portables. I'm a little shaky about the portables, mm -hmm. especially on stage. I bring one with me in case the B3 breaks. Right. You know, but okay. part of a back line list is get us a B3 mm -hmm. if we mm -hmm. play anywhere. And uh, and I'll bring the portable if I know I'm on, if I'm doing another band or something I'm doing one or two songs and I'll go ahead with the portable. Gotcha. Gotcha. But there's something about the Leslie if you swell it correctly you can just take the whole band up like that. Mm -hmm. if That's you right. Do it right. I mean it's one of my favorite players is Mike Finnegan and his his comping uh, mm -hmm. especially it was I, I heard him doing I think it was Love the One You're With when we were out with CSNN mm -hmm. uh, probably still in Nash. Mm -hmm. And he was doing that tune, and I just listened to Mike comping on it. It was like, oh my god! Wow. We played a gig in South Carolina, and mm -hmm. Bruce Hornsby was there. He said, "Dude, come here!" <laughs> Brought around backstage when that song came. He said, "Dig the pocket on this," and you know, Bruce was like, "Whoa!" Wow. <laughs> just the pocket. You know, I wasn't playing anything really. You know, in terms of this, it wasn't uh -huh. playing anything really, really hard or, or difficult, but. Uh, pocket was just ridiculous mm -hmm. i mean I'm, i've done i've done albums i mean we did a the 30 album as a matter of fact mm -hmm. in uh that with the already gone was on mm -hmm. and the producer is jay demarcus a good friend of mine and uh mm -hmm. plays bass with rascal flats he, he said oh wow how about, doing, how about doing pads 
And I went, you don't get it, do you? <laughs> this is a rhythm instrument. Think of uh -huh. it as a rhythm guitar. I mean, uh -huh. really is a rhythm instrument. Uh -huh. You want a pad, mm -hmm. there's a whole lot better pads than an organ. Mm -hmm. All the synthesizer string things mm -hmm. and everything. Right, like that. right, exactly. In different kinds of pads. Listen to almost every record that comes out of Europe. Mm -hmm. They all have these just wide open pads on them. Mm -hmm. You can't really get that from a B3, but what you can get is this groove. There you go. There you go. Occasionally, a, a long, a long chord is a, is the right thing to do, but occasionally, not as a, not as, a, a, a as a default. Ah, uh, right. A lot, right. I mean, he he just thought organ was a default pad. You know. Oh, okay. Okay. No, he, he knows better now. Right. <laughs> he knows better than asking now. He's, he's a good. He was pal. educated. Yeah, he's a good musician. Uh -huh. Guy plays great uh -huh. bass, sings really right. well. Uh, right. Good piano player, really mm -hmm. good piano. So mm -hmm. it's just you know one of those. Got you, got you. So so you have there's again there's this long list of people that you played with over the years that you saw you you've been on their records and this and that and the other. Speaking of Oregon, I have here in my list Jimmy Smith. I got a call from Carmen Twilley mm -hmm. that that uh, Gene McDaniel's was producing a Jimmy Smith record. Mm -hmm. Remember Gene? No, huh? He wrote, uh, that's the time I feel like making. Oh, okay, okay. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. as a singer, years before he, he did the song, he took a hundred pounds of clay. Uh-huh. And uh -huh. he said, hey, listen, which mm -hmm. was pretty cool. Actually right, pretty right. Mm -hmm. But it was mm -hmm. it was a bit of a cheesy song. But Gene's but it worked. Great musician, great songwriter. Mm -hmm. And and she said, it's for it's we're gonna do backups for a Jimmy Smith record. So I flew down from from San Francisco, came in. We did the record. Jimmy never showed up. All I wanted to do was go meet Jimmy Smith, and I never right, got it. right. What? Date? She said, and it's, and it's only a single scale date. We're not making real big money on it, but uh -huh. I said, man, I'd pay to to meet just Jimmy to meet Smith. Jimmy Smith, right? Yeah, he's you know one of the big heroes of my life. You know, right, right. At some level, I mean, God, the, the sermon. You know. Um, you know, just wow. T talk about <laughs> talk about an un unexpected ending to a story, right? Because I'm like like taking all these notes and all that stuff. I'm like, wow, he plays B3. He met Jamie Smith. I can't wait to hear that story. <laughs> hey, turn your love around of three writers, all guitar players. Mm. Playing the song for, you know, doing a song for George Benson. Mm -hmm. uh, who right. can who can right. wipe all three of us mm -hmm. off the table at right. two right. bars? Mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. A friend of mine, Michael Michael Neal, plays plays with. He's been playing with George Benson for years. He's playing mm -hmm. rhythm, and Mike is a is an insanely great guitar player himself. Mm -hmm. But he, he said, and I talked to him. It might have been about fifteen years ago. I talked to him on the phone, and he had been working with George by that time for about twenty four years, twenty five years. Gotcha. And he said, "There's not a night that I go out there." that something new didn't fly out of that guy. Mm, that mm -hmm. And I go backstage mm -hmm. and say, well, what was that? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> it's, you know, it's past the point of him even being involved. Uh -huh. Art just comes uh -huh. through his hand. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and Mike's just said, man, I should be paying him for all this time. I'm not gonna, but I, you uh -huh. know. <laughs> right. <laughs> right, right, right. All guys chilling, got rent, you know. <laughs> and, and Michael's a sweetie pie, an amazingly great guitar player himself. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. There's a bunch of really, really good cats out there, and mm -hmm. most of them live in Las Vegas. <laughs> and most of them you can catch on a Monday night. You know, mm -hmm. all of, every one of those guys 
absolutely. I just saw uh, one of their podcasts. Just mm-hmm. uh, I think it was last night, mm-hmm. night before maybe. And uh, it was a, it was on Monday night, so yeah. But I, I couldn't get it on Monday night, and they had problems with it because it kind of went out mono. So they fixed it to be stereo, and I just went on and checked it the other day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Forget about it. Insane, you know. Oh, okay. Johnny Friday on drums, really good call. Pepe was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved it when Eddie was in the band years mm-hmm. ago. So mm-hmm. those cats and Roshan Westmoreland, oh, please. It's not, <laughs> Not a lot of guys as good as him. He can and, and just, just put and it just, this way: like he can overplay and never lose the pop. Right. <laughs> a lot of guys that that start overkicking it, mm-hmm. you know, get, you know, getting mm-hmm. off with you know great facility and everything, mm-hmm. kind of lose the pocket. Uh-huh. And Roshan never does. I mean, talk about an inner clock. That guy's right. ridiculous. Right. And like you said, as far as like he can they overplay, it's like does he? Jerry, <laughs> Jerry, Jamie, Eddie, mm-hmm. Eddie Garcia. Mm-hmm. And Roshan played with me uh, wow. for a whole two right after I left Chicago. I mean, uh, and, and we had a we had a bunch of club gigs, and we just went right <laughs> over. It was the band was so good, you know. And uh-huh, it's just the nature uh-huh. of of uh, Lopez and Hosmer and those guys that they 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 only want to do it right, and that's mm-hmm. what they mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. do it really so well. I'm just I'm in love with that band. Mm-hmm. Just crazy good. Got you. Spe- speaking of which, and, and thank you for reminding me, shout out to Jerry Lopez for this. Because <laughs> oh, yeah. we, we were totally talking and all that stuff, and he mentioned your name and everything, and I'm like, oh my gosh, he knows Bill Champlin and everything. And I'm like, and I, I like hesitate before I called him, do you think Bill would be okay with doing this? I'd love to have him, and I'm a big fan and all that. He's like, and Jerry just totally put everything in motion. You know, he, I'll send him an email, I'll copy you on an email and all that, and you know, we're, we're in. And yeah. Bill, like the next day, Bill like contacted me, I'm like, Jerry's Jerry's just one of those guys. There's so many cool things he's done. Yes. Not just for the musicians in that community, but for, for that community mm-hmm. in general. He's mm-hmm. he's just uh there's not a lot of people like him. I mean, I, we You're absolutely right. and me and Will really sat in. We made a we made a CD or a DVD of it. Mm-hmm. Sat in with those guys for a show at mm-hmm. uh, when they were still at the Pond. Mm-hmm. And uh and I just kind of saw up close and personal, how he how he worked with the band mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. that many guys. I mean, usually you look at it, it's herding cats. You know? Huge. It could huge be really good. And I and I went. I I don't think I've seen a band leader as you know with he's got an iron fist when he needs it, but most of the time mm-hmm. he's hands open and he's and he's he's mm-hmm. uh, very soulful and really good friends with everybody. But when it needs mm-hmm. when the when it needs to happen, he makes it happen. And the last band leader I saw with that kind of chop, with, with being able to straddle that fence really well, it's Duke Ellington. Ah, so mm-hmm. I may mean, hate to say it, but Jerry's mm-hmm. as a, as a band leader, he's in the Duke Ellington school of band leaders. Mm-hmm. Duke hung mm-hmm. on to those guys that he had in a band for what 25, 30 years. Right. Totally. Totally. You know, through divorces and addictions and you know arrests mm-hmm. and fails mm-hmm. and all mm-hmm. different things that can happen to people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, and he hung in with them all, you know. Mm-hmm. He was a very soulful guy. But when the shit hit the fan, right? We're this is the downbeat. Be there, right? You know? Right. And that's kind of what I see with Jerry and, and Santa Fe and the Fat City Horns. He's just he's so good at being loving and firm at the same time. It's mm-hmm. Really good. Mm-hmm. And really they deliver. Good. They totally deliver. Yeah. And they they respond to that. 
They totally respond to that. Well, she's um, one of probably one of the best rhythm guitar players ever, and his lead plan ain't no schlock. And then he opens his mouth and sings. He always says, "Oh well, man, you know, I don't know. You're the you're the singer. I'm just fooling around." No, 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 no. no. I've heard right. this before. Other people, right. so it. humble. Not so humble. He circles around my old ass. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I just love to hear him sing. He's just good at it. Guess what? Now we, I think they're working on a new record. We just, uh, the, the opening song after their intro thing, their opening song was a song that me and Tamara wrote with them. Wow. Uh, a song called Bad Blue Moon. And man, they, mm. they arranged the holy piss out of it. It's great. Mm. Mm. And then there's a, there's a, a ballad that Jerry and I, uh, Jerry kind of sent us what it was. And, mm. uh, and Tam and I got into that too and, and nice. finished writing. We had a premise and we finished the premise mm. and uh, that's going to be amazing. Mm. It's going to be mm. really good. Wow. He's, he's a piece of work, I'll tell you. Mm. <laughs> bad, In bad all book. ways, but especially yeah. a good way. I mean, he really is. He really yeah. is. I had done a version, uh, the band that I was playing with at the time, I had done this version, this arrangement of Use Me Up by Bill Withers, right? Yeah. And, you know, featured horns and this and that and the other. Next thing I know, Jerry Jerry's calling me, you know, hey, can I use that? First of all, and I told Jerry that, I told him when, when we spoke, I'm like, first of all, the great Jerry Lopez is calling little old me for this song that's not yeah. written by me, but he loved the arrangement so much that he took the arrangement. And then what blew the song away, like you said, as far as Jerry, he dropped this little, like, uh, this, this, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't know that I call it salsa. Almost a salsa groove. Yeah. It is a salsa groove. Okay. Yeah. So he dropped that right in the middle of it and man just blew the whole thing out of the water. I'm like, I heard it. It was the closing show on this last Monday's thing. Wasn't that amazing? Amazing. <laughs> totally amazing. <laughs> My God. And, and know, I told him. If the arrangement is really good, I mean, uh, uh, that band has been doing a, one of a song that I wrote. Me and Greg Matheson wrote a song called uh, "Love's Gonna Find You," and I did it like mm -hmm. a duet with Tamara on mm -hmm. a record years and years ago. And and mm -hmm. you know, they they we played it live, and I was used to fly fly the, the horns because mm -hmm. we had uh, Gary Grant, uh, Tom Saviano who wrote the chart, Gary Grant, uh, Dave Boroff, I think was playing on it, handful of different mm -hmm. cats. Uh, Brandon, Brandon Fields was playing baritone, mm -hmm. you know. And, and the, the horn section just came out ridiculous. So when they did it, they kind of just went ahead and used the arrangement, you know. Mm, and, okay. and with those guys, with the five, six guys that they got playing it, it came off, you know, gotcha. comes off great. And then, man, those singers, yeah, forget it. Tony and... Uh, they, right, right. <laughs> forget and, Right, Tyreek and, and all of Man, I, 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 I produced some stuff on, on Santa Fe years ago. Oh, wow. And, and we had different, you know, uh, well, Cleto was still singing with him. Cleto was singing beautiful. Mm -hmm. Jerry was singing beautiful, but when I got to doing Lenny at the chorus, he doubled blind and wow. he just was so good in the studio. It was like, whoa, this guy's mm -hmm. this guy knows what he's doing. One of one of my favorite tenors ever. Oh, he's awesome. such a good singer. Yeah. Awesome. Mm -hmm. All those guys, I just want to shoot him. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just I listened to that. I went, I can't perform anything anymore uh -huh. unless, mm -hmm. I, unless i attempt to get it is even somewhere in the same zip code as these guys it's mm -hmm. just for, mm -hmm. not gonna happen I wanted to ask you, as far as like your songwriting, uh, you know, we live in these days of, you know, well, it's got to sound like a certain way. It's got to be this. It's got to be that. You know, we don't want it to be too busy or whatever. How do you get over that? Because your your songs, again, I mean, you talk about composing. I mean, you com you are a great songwriter. Okay. And there's, <laughs> there they, I mean, how do you get past like, 
or do you even deal with that? Do you like, no, this song is going to be the way that I've written it and that's all that there is to it, you know? Well, when I write it, it's usually a piano, mm -hmm. a vocal, a pencil and paper, and a, uh, you know, I, we, we, these days it's a cell phone recorder, mm -hmm. but just something to just to remember what it is and here's where the, this, here's where this goes, here's where that goes. When it starts to sound like something is when I start arranging it. Oh, okay. You know, and putting the arrangements in. And usually once I get into arranging it and getting, you know, I, and what I usually do is I'll put on uh, uh, fake drums and I'll get the drums quantized and grooved where I want them. Mm -hmm. And uh, and maybe even fake bass, maybe keyboard bass, mm -hmm. move, mm -hmm. move, synthesizer mm -hmm. kind of. But, and your and, songs move. I mean, they they move, you know? Yeah. Exactly. As far as, uh -huh. what, I, what I try to get the drums on there is just to get the feel for it so that when I hand it to a real drummer, he knows how I want it to feel. Oh, okay. It just sounds better with a real guy. On, the, mm -hmm. on this album. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's all real guys. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I had Gordon Campbell playing on six songs, I think, and then uh, uh, Alan Hertz played on like eight. I don't know. It's just amazing. Mm -hmm. And then we, and, uh, and we had Lenny Castro playing it all and man there's he wow. adds a thing to everything he touches mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, he's been around wow. forever he's done some mm -hmm. really really cool cool mm -hmm. things he him, actually joe, joe bon massa did a whole tour of just him and lenny what in like an opera house in in vienna mm -hmm. and it was just mm -hmm. him and lenny pretty interesting and, and mm -hmm. lenny just tore it up and he was, mm -hmm. he was the whole band and and joe went ahead and did what he was doing Mm. So I mean, he's and he's been with off and on with Toto forever. Right, you know, he, right. Jeff, right. you know, there's a lot of guys they could have got, but Jeff said, "Man, just let's we got to get Lenny." Simple as right. that. He's the dude. Right. Okay. He's a sweetie gotcha. pie. He's a good, he's a good mm -hmm. friend. Mm -hmm. each other. I, we um, we kind of got to know each other a little better once we started doing this stuff because I just put the the files together and took him to his house. Ah, uh, wow. <laughs> okay. He just recorded him in his in his little room, and he's just. He just did it and sent him, you know, I came back, got my drive back and done. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know. okay. okay. That's how good the um, guy is. Trusted him. To, so what am I going to do? Tell you, well, I'd like you to go to the Dunebeck now, or, you know, <laughs> could you maybe play the, no, he's going to play what he wants to play. Cause he knows this, he knows this shit better than I do. Why um, am I telling him? I mean, there's a thing okay. about sometimes when you hire somebody, you, you know, you don't hire them to do something else. You hire them mm -hmm. to do what they're known to do. What to they do, right? That's why mm -hmm. I got as, as much work as I got as a background singer is because usually I'd bring an arrangement with, or I would arrange on the spot. Uh, and okay. People would go, "I didn't hear that on this song." Uh -huh. Well, I did. Uh huh. Uh huh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, and I think that's how, in a lot of ways, at the time, I mean, it was kind of a West Coast thing that you know, Toto. Even Steely Dan's a uh, lot of different music that, you know, Foster's considered a West Coast icon. And mm -hmm. West Coast is a music that, that I think what it is, I mean, to, I've tried to say, I mean, Sweden and Japan have got still got big West Coast fan base over there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and a lot of guys have kind of gotten into that, uh, Foster especially. I mean, most of the stuff that he's done, Toto for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, and what it is is sort of, it's pop music with some education and a little more creative it kind nice. of opened the door but it didn't open it wide open because if you mm -hmm. do that you end up with jacob collier mm -hmm. and oh. dirty loop which is kind of not accessible to everybody uh-huh to uh -huh. let it go completely gone you know what i mean uh -huh. so west uh -huh. coast kind of just it just opened up this much and i was kind of in that scene i was 
part of that scene. So I did a lot of the backgrounds on a lot of that kind of music. Gotcha. Okay. So it just, it, when I heard it, I just went, well, can we be creative? And then as I, and I did a million background dates doing that one on a million, I don't know, three, 400. And, mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. and uh, at some point the producers started saying, no, nah, we don't want that. We want to sell a record. Ah, uh, okay. Just, and, and that's my I question. How did you food. get past that? Huh? And that, that was my question. How did you get past that or, or, well, or, or over time, that or around that? Yeah. At the time I got the offer to join Chicago. And okay. I went, maybe it's time to, to get out of the studios because this is going to kill me, mm -hmm. you know? And it, and it turned out that, you know, I'd go to work with Jay Graydon I'd work with David or something like that. And there'd still be room for creativity. Mm -hmm. But a lot of the sessions that I did, I just want who's and Oz here. I said, can I make a way to make a pyramid out of them? Can I do something mm -hmm, with them? Mm -hmm. We did one thing. I had three singers. This is Rosemary Butler, Joe Toronto, and Jill Colucci. Were four mm -hmm. singers on a Julio Iglesias record. Mm -hmm. And and the, and uh, John Hammond was, not John Hammond, somebody else, somebody else Hammond. Uh, I forget his first name. He, he co-wrote... Uh, I don't want to live without your love. And I can't remember his first name. Oh, okay. Hammond is his last name. Uh -huh. And uh, he was producing. Of course, of course, it would be Hammond, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, it's cool with me. <laughs> uh, so we went in and they were doing uh, Wise Men Say, Only Fools uh -huh. Rush In. Right. And he says, All right, everybody just sing unison or octaves with Julio, and that'll be all I want. And I went, Are you kidding? Wow. So I started going to the piano while they were running the tape back. I'm going, couldn't we just do like almost a madrigal? Oh. Just do a little, we could, I can, I can arrange up a four piece thing. And I don't think Joe and Jill quite got it right off the bat, but Rosemary went, Oh, this would be really good. Uh -huh. So we, we, we put it together at the piano and Hammond's kind of going, oh, what's going on. And at some point in the game, cause he wasn't into, into doing it. And I just kind of fought for it. Mm -hmm. At some point in the game, we, uh, we we went ahead and you know went to the mic and of course the first pass we didn't get it. He said, No, just go back to the unison thing. I said, Man, oh, put wow. down your gavel, give me five mm -hmm. minutes. Mm -hmm. And it ended up being stellar. The signature part, cool. right. Mm -hmm. And he was, you know, and it ended, I think it ended up being the title tune of the record. There you show. go. There and you he go. was at it. He said, Man, I'm I just made the coolest, did the coolest stuff. And you, you didn't want to mm. do it. Mm. <laughs> and I was Don't you love of, it? Welcome to, as, as Jay Graydon would say, I would all. <laughs> <laughs> that famous line from 1941. Uh, Look, uh, Rook, I would all. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Graydon, so, Graydon just loves that line. <laughs> you mentioned a couple of names as far as like the, 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 the artists of today, you know, like you mentioned Dirty Loops and, and Jacob Collier and all that. How do you feel about like the, these, these people, like the people that I guess make music today? Well, I don't know Jacob Collier, but oh my goodness, what, a, mm. what an amazingly talented musician and, and his, his voicings and his substitutions and yes. his arrangements. Forget about it. He's he's just mm -hmm. at the yeah. I'm a big fan. Top of the mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and then and then there's and uh, you missed the creativity part too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm -hmm. when I heard Dirty Loops doing a cover of a Britney Spears song, somebody actually <laughs> Tom Henby, a guitar player in Nashville, sent me a, a link. So I went to the link and I listened to him and I went, "Holy shit! What is this? <laughs> Jonah can sing. I mean, he sings. I don't think there's a I don't 
don't think there's a ceiling on his range at all. <laughs> Unbelievable singer. And then he uh -huh. plays this ridiculous piano. Right. On uh -huh. that little teeny keyboard. Mm. You know, I said, Man, uh, right. You gotta feed that thing. <laughs> uh -huh. It'll uh -huh. eventually mm -hmm. be real. Mm -hmm. Because I met him, you know, six, you know, you did meet uh, him. Tom Hanby sent, sent me the, a link and he said, this, you know, restores my faith in music. Oh, awesome. I mean, he lives in Nashville where, where it's, it could be, it's a lot of that, just do this and make it sound like every other record. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Drag, gotcha. You know, they, mm -hmm. they make perfect records mm -hmm. and who wants to listen to perfect? Uh, Can you imagine a a totally tuned and totally timed Jimi Hendrix record? No, no, no. It just, it's mm -hmm. just that there's a feel there. There's a people feel. Let it happen. Mm -hmm. I don't. I like working with a click, but I like making sure that it grooves. Even though. Right, right. I used I used to say as far as that, you know, sometimes it's the imperfection that makes it perfect. You know. <laughs> exactly. You know. Well, so and at that point, perfect. You know, I don't know. I don't. You know, at some point in the game, everybody has a different viewpoint on it. Right. And there's right. I mean, there's things on this on my record. I, they're a little out of tune. They're mm -hmm. just minutely out of tune. Mm -hmm. And I kind of went, well, I can tune this, but you know, I don't want to. Why? Why? Feels, right. Yeah, it feels fine. People mm -hmm. can can go, oh, there's a human being there. That and that's what I mean. Sometimes it's yeah. that that makes it. The first know. time I heard of a, a this was before auto tune, where people uh, they they would they would do the country records, and then before they send them to the mixer, they'd send them to the tuner. And he'd take the vocal and he'd take a line, fly it to the keyboard, mm -hmm. hit the note and tune it with the pitch wheel. So I mean, it's a long process doing that. Right, I was gonna say that. And then what... fly it back in, perfectly in tune. Okay. Think of how long that would take on all those backgrounds and all the rest of that stuff. That Can you, right. And then, you know, auto-tune and, and uh, Melodyne and all those other programs can, boom, that's done immediately. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But the first time I heard a record that was that in tune, I listened to it all the way through. I went, oh my God, that's insane. I don't ever want to hear it again. <laughs> I go, that's beautiful. That's absolutely gorgeous and beautiful. I don't want to ever hear it again. Uh -huh. Then I heard Alison Krauss singing a song and I realized that, that was perfectly in tune because she sings perfectly in tune. Uh -huh. No machine. That's one you never want to hear with a with an auto tune on it it just right. ain't, ain't real right she because and i think a lot of the reason why she's as in tune as she is is she's played a fretless stringed instrument all life we well, have oh, to kind okay. of tune so, you have to so tune it. Right. she took that, that 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 sort of thing about playing fiddle mm -hmm. and put it in, and applied it to singing oh, okay and she's an amazingly great singer just really sick great singer. big Good player too mm -hmm. she, the cats she plays with are all all deep in tune, mm -hmm. great players. I mean, forget about it. You know, it's just every once in a while something comes along and you realize this is raising the bar way up. There. Way up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, if you sound like this, talk to me. If you don't, I don't want to hear about right. it. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, you know what I mean? I, I want to go back uh, a, a little bit in, in your history, um, go, going back to Chicago. They used, they would say uh, uh, about Chicago's uh, first guitar player, Terry Kath, that he brought the soul to Chicago, right? And of course, the, the tragedy that happened that, that took him out. But then you come in, and I remember thinking, man, what a perfect fit. I mean, they talk about the soul of Chicago. You brought the soul of Chicago back. And, and I, I mean, you listen to like these songs and all that stuff. Hang on one second. Tam, can okay. you get this dog? <laughs> uh, 
He's he's just not making this easy. I know he's got a lot to say. He's a prolific little thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, and I mean, the, you're, the you're thing, and I mean that by saying your soul. You brought your soul to you know to the to the band. You know where it was. Well, kind of thank you, but uh, you know the thing right after Terry. I mean, two days after Terry passed away, I got a call from. Uh, from uh, Howard Kaufman, HK Management. I didn't know who that. were the man. You know, they were managers. I think they're probably still the managers of Chicago mm-hmm. uh, at this stage of the game. But I got a call from them and said, "Hey, you know, we we might we want you to come audition for the band." And I thought it was just the guitar chair. Oh, and I went, I can't. You know, oh. yeah, I play guitar, but once I'd played one solo, I'd played my if solo. <laughs> And it's it's pretty good. Uh, I like uh, it. Uh, uh, a lot of people like it, but I don't have another one that goes anywhere else. <laughs> and, you know, I can't fill those shoes. Uh-huh. I, so I, I I actually gave him Carmen Grillo's name, and he pretty much had the gig up until Donnie Dacus showed up. Mm. Oh. And the Donnie knew every song backwards and forwards, and they went, "Well, this is great. This we'll mm-hmm. go with this guy." And Donnie's mm-hmm. gas. He's a kick in the butt. Mm-hmm. I've worked with mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. you know on some other things but uh I, I just didn't get that it was that that was happening now later on i was working i think i was working on written hours album the written oh. album and mm, uh, and it was okay. a late night session I think, uh, not now <laughs> yeah. I, like Gary, the back. I like the ringtone yeah somebody <laughs> calling on the telephone anyway the um <laughs> the uh where was i um um, as far as uh, working on the written hour the written oh hour. yeah yeah i was working mm-hmm. on a written hour and got home really late I mean, it was mm-hmm. really uh foggy and rainy out and somehow and, and his uh, he was working at monterey studios in glendale mm-hmm. pretty far away mm-hmm. and i and i got home and i went to sleep really late i got a call at nine in the morning from a friend of mine named angelo who i'd done vocals and some some keyboard playing on right. one of his albums at fantasy studios in Berkeley, maybe three years before, maybe four years before. And mm-hmm. I hadn't even talked to him. So, yeah, I don't know how he even got my number. Mm-hmm. He said, man, can I get you to come sing? You know, Danny Serafin from Chicago is producing mm-hmm. uh, uh, a handful of demos, a demo mm-hmm. song, three or four mm-hmm. demos. Got John Robinson playing on them. It's pretty, pretty decent stuff. Mm-hmm. And Danny's the producer. And, uh, and he wants, he, he, I was just wondering if maybe you could come sing backgrounds on it. There's no money because we don't, we're just running on a tight budget. Mm-hmm. And I just went, man, I got the worst cold, which I kind of did, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was just, I didn't want to get woken up at nine when I, <laughs> when I went to bed at five, you know. Right. And, and he says, well, you know, Pete said the same thing, but he's coming anyway. I said, Pete, who's Pete? He said, oh, Peter Cetera. I said, Cetera's uh-huh. not doing it? He uh-huh. said, yeah, I'll be there. Where are we doing it? Right. <laughs> so I showed up and so I was hanging. I mean, Cetera is one of my one of my favorite singers ever. He's a really beautiful voice. Mm-hmm. Good singer, great, great bass player too. Yeah, another underrated bass player. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, he took a lot of shit because he used a pick. Now everybody's mm-hmm. using a pick. <laughs> right, right. I know, I know. Yep. <laughs> Maybe yep. he was ahead of the game, but mm-hmm. you know, I, I was like, hey man, ain't you gonna thumb it and you know, party slap? <laughs> mm-hmm. said, right, right. No, I'm just gonna play the way I play. And, mm-hmm. and he, was, he reminded me, I mean, McCartney was one of his favorite bass players, so he's uh, he was always looking for the right notes in the right place. And then he's that what? A, wait, wait, that part. What a concept! Always looking for the right notes for the right place. Yeah. What a concept. Yeah. Well, uh, I think that's that's what McCartney did on a lot of stuff. I mean, it, I was absolutely. Told, I, these are these are all rumors, so I can't, you know, 
put money on him by him. And somebody told mm -hmm. me that he replaced all his parts and really dug in to get him right. Wow. But, okay. Uh, McCartney. Mm -hmm. so, but anyway, so Sotero was, was, you know, a big fan of that. And he was going on. So we, we started coming up with some backgrounds, just kind mm -hmm. of just in falsetto in the, in the booth, just to not make a lot of noise and run that again. Mm -hmm. and, and we do this note and this note. So we kind of came up with a, with a head chart. Mm -hmm. We went out to the microphone and we started singing full out mm -hmm. on this tune. And everybody in the booth just went, wow. Okay. What a blend. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you know, a couple of weeks later, I get a call from you know, I get a call. Actually, I got a call from Danny. So let's write something. So we wrote a song called "Sunny Thing" twice. Was on the sixteen album. Oh, right. Okay. And uh, and then and so I went out to to the to the actually he had in his uh, you know guest house uh, connected to his garage. So we you know we went I went out there to teach it to the band mm -hmm. in Satara's key, and and uh, Peter wasn't there at the time, but they were in learning mode. He didn't need to be there. Mm -hmm. So we kind of worked, I kind of taught the guitar player, Chris Pinnock and, uh, and the cats, the rest of the cats sort of generally what, what, how the song went and that kind mm -hmm. of thing. And he, mm -hmm. the whole thing. All that was fine and dandy and it was all great. And then uh, at some point I was hanging with him and Danny said, hey, we're going to cut the song today. You know, uh -huh. we can do it without a bass player, but we're cutting the song. But oh, but before that, man, I, I made it serious jump before that we went ahead and wrote this song uh -huh. and uh, and he had it in his stash and then he called me about a week later two weeks later he says and i had just finished uh a runaway album with david okay you're uh, the tampa album, album. Mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. i just finished that album and danny called and he said hey bill i mean and i was up when i went up to to work with them to work to teach teach the band the song mm -hmm. It was, uh, they were playing some of the other songs that they were planning on doing in the record mm -hmm. and nothing was knocking me out. Okay. You know? It was, it was kind of self-indulgent quasi jazzy shit that just, uh, it, whatever okay. it was, there was, where's the, where's the quote mark? Uh. <laughs> this is it, you know, I don't know, I'm a chorus freak. <laughs> anyway, so, so, uh, and at some point in the game, you know, Sunny Thing Twice definitely had a, Definitely had a, a chorus. Yes. So, but at some point in the game, Danny calls me and he said, uh, he said, hey, we're cutting a song at uh, a record plant. And, and but at one point he called and he said, you think Foster would be good for the record? I said, yeah, but he's going to throw away probably everything you got and start over. And it's he's, I think personally, something you need to do. Sunny thing twice, maybe it may make it, but I doubt even that. Mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. I said, you get, and, and I said, it would behoove the band to do that. He's a great producer. I don't think people get how good this guy is. Okay. okay. You know, okay. and, uh, and at that point of the game, uh, they, they ended up, you know, so they ended up getting him as a producer, mm -hmm. but I got him, I got him in the band. Right. <laughs> and, and so I showed up, I showed up hanging out to cut Sunny Thing twice. So I got on the piano and David was on the roads. We did it without a bass player, and David overdubbed a, a root right. bass on it, uh -huh. and that was done. But I was just kind of hung with the cats and everything. Next thing you know, mm -hmm. about a week later, I get another call from Danny. He says, "The guys in the band want you in the band," and I said, "Danny, I don't do sideman things." He says, "No, no, no. We want you in the band." Mm, wow. Okay. And I so I went. I went and talked to him about it and everything. Everybody was like, at this one point, Panko was saying, "You know, you got to realize, man, this is a family. It's a family." And I went. No, I got it. Uh, if you want to call it a musical project, I'm in. 
I just did 13 years of family and it ended up, you know, face first into a brick wall. Oh, wow. uh, okay. It doesn't work for me if it's family. If, it's, mm. if we're dealing with music, then great. And then if, if it hangs for any period of time, then you start feeling like family. But you don't just be, you don't just become family. Right. Right. Because right. you want to be family. Right. You know? mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. just It's a process. <laughs> that point, I am Satara went, you got the gig. <laughs> <laughs> It was pretty funny. So wow. You're wow. in. So I mean, uh -huh. the rest of it was manager mm -hmm. minuets and right. and da da da. And but then, uh, and then and then Foster and Peter wrote Hard to Say I'm Sorry, which is a beautiful song. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Which Richard Marks renamed it Sorry to Say I'm Hard, but that's another story. <laughs> he he was bringing he was at a <laughs> showcase, bring a David up. Right, to sit right. in on, on one of his songs that he'd written with David. And uh -huh. he said David's the guy that wrote uh, after the love is gone and sorry to say I'm hard. <laughs> everybody in the audience went, that's working. So it, it, you know, uh -huh. and with Richard, he didn't, he didn't do it on purpose. He just had a marble mouth moment <laughs> out it came, you know, he didn't realize that he was making history. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. But of course, if it's funny, you can usually count on Richard. Of course, close of, course. of course, one of, one of the funniest guys in the world. Mm -hmm. So, so, and I, I was just saying, like, people don't know when they hear you that it's you. Along comes hard habit to break. Dude. Yeah. <laughs> and well, it was, you nailed you know, it. Originally, I mean, totally it was originally going to be three singers. Mm. And, you know, Robert was going to sing the first section. I was going to sing the second section, and Peter sang the chorus. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it just kind of ended up not working. It ended up being Peter singing the first section because radio would hear his voice and go of course right right which it wasn't doing with robert's voice at that time mm -hmm, mm -hmm. earlier with saturday in the park and the right. early early era they heard his voice it got spun immediately mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but it that didn't last with robert like it did with peter uh-huh mm -hmm. so and it's no nobody's fault it's just that you know it's you got a voice like that you lead with it right mm -hmm. and and mm -hmm. i got a really well-known voice and people hear it and they go, I yeah know you do it. But I saw what was I saw what was going on. I went, this might not make me terribly happy, but mm -hmm. this is the best move to make mm -hmm. commercially. If mm -hmm. that's what you're looking for, trying to get on radio and trying to, you know, because if those in those days it was radio, a records meant radio, and if, it, and if you got radio, radio got concerts, and concerts mm -hmm. sold records and records sold, sold. records, right, so and the whole thing all you over again for the next you got that right, move going, you know? right, mm -hmm. and. Uh, so that ended up, ended up all working working really well. And I don't even know where we were because I just went out on another one of my Champlin tangents. <laughs> like so, I told you, you got you to keep, keep uh, an eyeball on where the original uh -huh. road is. Mm -hmm. I'll get lost in a side, <laughs> in a tributary, no, you know? No, all good, all good. It's funny because at, at this point, I did want to go into like your, your new project, you know, the things that, that Bill Champlin is working on for the artist, Bill Champlin. <laughs> Yeah. You know, and we well, talked about that like at the beginning. Donna Summer one, I wanted to say this before. Donna Summer one time said, Bill, you're the best known unknown singer in the world. Mm. <laughs> and mm. That's thanks, Donna. I guess she's a sweet. I, I was just gonna ask, and how did you feel about that? I mean, because it is it is what it is, you know. I kind of wish it was different, but I think this was this might have been before Look Away. Mm -hmm. Look away, really, you know, and it, you know, it was weird because they knew they wanted this song. Ron Nevison had just had really, really great uh, uh, success with Heart. Mm -hmm. You know, he did These Dreams, mm -hmm. 
of the other things. And it was all, it was all really, really good. And, and the, the management said, let's get Ron Nevison, you know, because the management managed Hart. They said, well, gotcha. Ron's, Ron's a good guy. We can make right. it. It'd be great for the band. So mm-hmm. he walked in and he had these, these demos of Diane's and one of them was Look Away. It was in a high key. Mm-hmm. Joe Toronto had sung a demo. Mm-hmm. It's about maybe a flat five higher than what it what it was right. when we finally right. did it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and even now I do it a two a whole tone lower than then than mm-hmm. what we ended up doing. Mm-hmm. And they said, "Well, uh, what are we going to get for the tenor? How are we going to do this for the tenor?" And they kind of went. This was the record right after Foster was gone. Mm-hmm. and uh and and jason had done 18 18 was a good album really good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh uh some of the songs man uh caldwell came in yeah yep. with a couple yep. of things mm-hmm. and, uh, yes and yes randy goodrum who's a monster Again, mm-hmm. check, have you checked his album by the way randy goodrum's new album no i have not look for it randy goodrum randy goodrum oh it. boy it's okay. it's really something will do yeah, I've written all with people, people watching. Be sure, Randy Goodrum got it. Yeah, okay. And you were yeah, just talking I, about like the next album too, and and Bobby Caldwell coming in, and I'm a fan of Bobby Caldwell as well. Nine yeah, that the was Falls. 18, the 18 album, and then on the 19, we started to go a different way, and we went mm-hmm. with Neverson, and mm-hmm. uh, and they said, well, we got to make sure that it isn't the right key for the tenor, and Neverson said, no, 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 I want that guy to sing it. Mm. That was oh. in the office, and and everybody looked at it like, you're fucking with the with the formula, man. <laughs> He said, no, 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 you don't get it. I want that guy to sing it. I mean, mm-hmm. I owe Ron a lot because mm-hmm. of that, mm-hmm. you know, because he just said, I believe that this is, that this guy's got the pipe. It took a while for, you know, he, he wanted to, uh, to make me sound a little more white than I normally do. Mm, okay. And, I don't, and I, I don't ever consider myself, you know, color is a visual thing. Audio mm-hmm. is how you, you sound, mm-hmm. you know. There, there it is. There Give me a break, you know? mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. I did once. I had a session one time for somebody, really well-known keyboard player, and he had a he had a producer, really well-known uh, producer of I think black black groups back in the mm-hmm. in the back mm-hmm. east. And uh, the keyboard player said, "You got to come sing a lead on this, you know, because I know you're great and stuff like that." And I walked in, and he introduced me to the producer. Producer said, "I, uh, you know, uh, I need to talk to you." He went up and back and came back, and the the Keyboard player came back and says, "Well, Bill, you're off the gig." Well, uh, did I sing something wrong? No, wait a minute. There's <laughs> right. I'm, we're not even. We're in the lounge. We haven't even gone to the studio. He said, "No." Uh-huh. And and I, he just looked at me like, and I just kind of looked at him like, "Are we talking lawyers here?" And then I went, "Nah, I don't care. What the hell, you know." Other people have had to put up with this. I I just got one, you know. Uh, not a lot of them, but occasionally that happens. Right. So, right. Right. Uh-huh. It's funny. There's a guy named uh, William Smith uh, who, who passed away probably 20 years ago. Smitty, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. He wrote a song called uh, "Saved by the Grace of Your Love," which was on a Sons album, okay. and a Mike Finnegan record. Finnegan mm-hmm. and Dudek did a version. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Smitty Smitty was on A and M when I was on uh, when I was just Rocky, shush, mm-hmm. when I was on uh, uh, Electra. Okay. And Smitty had that thing of like. And he wrote beautiful stuff. Mm-hmm. It wasn't it wasn't R and D. It wasn't you know, mm-hmm. it wasn't the, you know, the cameo. You know? Mm-hmm. Which is great. I love those guys. But oh, that's yeah, not they're what, awesome. Not what mm-hmm. Smitty was about. I mean, it's about mm-hmm. really creative, really great stuff. Mm-hmm. Great organ player, by the way. Okay. And 
And I and but they had the you know you gotta be more R and D man you gotta you, you gotta aim toward the black audience. Mm. And I when I got on uh, Electra Records they said we I know your last record was a lot of R and D on it but if you could kind of whiten up on this we'd probably do better with our market. <laughs> so Smitty and I thought let's do each other's record uh-huh. and put them out. And he said that's a good idea. When do you start? That's <laughs> classic. That didn't uh-huh. happen, but that would have been a real Steve Allen move, you know? Right, totally. totally. Steve Allen used to put out records under different names. and had, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. one point they busted, I think Howard Howard Roberts, great guitar player, but he got a jazz deal and they wouldn't let him do sessions. So mm-hmm. he started mm-hmm. doing the sessions as Gib Fender. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Getting around the attorney minuet. Right, you know? right, right, right. <laughs> Wow! Wow! And like, and before you're like just just like that. I mean, you're just. I mean, previously you're just off off that gig, and it, it, so it's time. Just okay. So it's yeah, time for know, both. I'm gonna do my thing now. Gigs. I mean, it didn't hurt me. Right. Right. But I, was, what, I would sure. have liked to have been on this guy's record. You know? mm-hmm. But it just. I mean, right away I was just. I was the wrong color and gone. Wow! Wow! Mm-hmm. This guy can't be soulful. Hey, what? dig this. You know, in the heat of the night, right? <laughs> I was I was going to come back to that. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, I did the I did the thing, and it was uh, it was put together by a guy named Kaufman. I think uh, I forget his first name, but he was at MGM Music, right? Mm-hmm. A nice guy, sweet guy, man, mm-hmm. really good guy. And he was pretty much handling the whole me being on the on the on the Heat of the Night project. Mm-hmm. It was all mm-hmm. happening. So he said, "I just got a call." He called me about six years into it. They'd just gone from. NBC to CBS. They were still on major network, right? Because mm-hmm. that one jumped. It went, I did four mm-hmm. years at NBC, then they three years at CBS, and then it was a buttload of, uh, of reruns to go into uh, syndication, which is mm-hmm. still happening. They're still right. playing. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, so I think it was Charlie Kaufman. I'm pretty sure that was his name, but uh, a really sweet guy. And he called him and he said, You're not going to believe this. Carol O'Connor just called. He said, you know, I, I don't want to, I just don't want to hear the black guy singing that song anymore. I'm real good friends with Robert Goulet and I can get him to replace that vocal. And what? Went, Robert Goulet. What? <laughs> <laughs> of the night. You know, you, could, I just what? Go, you know, I almost, it's, I said, you know, if I was being replaced by a great singer, I'd be really, it'd really be a drag. And he is a great singer for that. Yeah, yeah. In in, in, in his own right. It. It's just uh, not going. No, really? no, said, yeah, we're, we're no. Try, we're trying to talk him out of it, but he's the he's the producer of the show. What he says mm-hmm. goes. Mm-hmm. So that night he got a call actually at home from Carol saying, apparently Carol's wife was at the grocery store, and a woman came up and said, "You, Mrs. Carol O'Connor, aren't you?" She said, "Yes." So I love your husband's show, and that singer just puts puts you know chills up and down my spine every time i hear him sing mm-hmm. speaking so of she you came home and told that to carol and carol calls i'm gonna keep the black guy thank you mrs o'connor thank you yeah it was just a it was just a weird little moment you know it was mm-hmm. like a, a little glitch in the i love in stories the 35 like that. year ch- i mean you know at this point in the game my my royalties are, I think, about a quarter cent per play. You know, it's, it's down to nothing at some point. <laughs> hey, hey, we all need gas money, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Tell me about it. Hey, I got a check for two cents a couple of weeks ago. I was going, 
Man, I fucked my way to the top, didn't I? <laughs> it cost him more to write the check. <laughs> to write and process the check. Jeez. I mean, it cost him probably $4 to, to right, process exactly. the check, but exactly. I got two cents. Right. Hey, on that theme we, song, on, on Heat of the Night. It, you know? <laughs> we deposited it. We put it in the bank, probably just to, get, just to see the look on the teller's face. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Gotcha. Did, did you play organ on that? I didn't play on that at all. You didn't? Here's the story with that. I was I was home on the road from the road for about a week, mm-hmm. and I, and Tamara was playing a gig at a club called Sash in uh, North Hollywood, mm-hmm. and uh, it was a pretty good pretty good club. And she said, "Hey, you want to play with me? I, mean, I got a gig over there. Why don't you play keyboard?" I said, "Okay." Mm-hmm. So I put together a couple of keyboards and a and a, and a, a module or two, and I went over and set up, played her show, and as I was cutting, uh, you know, tearing it down, putting it away. This mm-hmm. guy comes up to him. Is Chris Page was the guy who actually arranged and, and produced the track. He okay. says, "Hey, man, you got time to come do an audition for a TV sh- for a TV theme?" Mm-hmm. I said, "Well, what's the theme?" He says, "In the heat of the night." I said, you mean the Ray Charles song? Mm-hmm. I said, "Wow, who else doing it?" He said, "Virtually every singer in town." Oh. So I went, "Oh, <laughs> you mean like <laughs> Mike Finnegan?" He said, "Oh yeah, Mike's all right. Mike's Mike." Whoa! <laughs> I went, oh man, I said. I, and I went, you know, if I didn't get it, it would have been 150 bucks. Mm-hmm. That's more than I would have made sitting around watching TV. Uh-huh. There you go. So I went, you know, what the hell? Why not? So I went in and just knocked it off. Mm-hmm. And I got the gig. That same mm-hmm. week, I got a call from somebody who said, we're doing a, a the yearly uh, theme for ABC, the whole ABC lineup, TV lineup. Oh, okay. And, and it was Dancing in the Streets that I did as a mm-hmm. duet with Jill Colucci, who's a great singer. Mm-hmm. She lives in mm-hmm. Nashville now, but man, she's bad. You know, mm-hmm. She's got a, just a smoky, you know, whiskey voice that just, just gets you instantly great singer. Right, right. She's like a, a, a female Tony Davidge. Oh, wow. Okay. There's just a, you're really a rock thing about it, about her sound. Wow. I, I love her. She's a wonderful singer. Right. But we went and did that thing. And, you know, between In the Heat of the Night and that, I made more money than I made on the road for just two or three, two what? or three months. It's like, well, that was a, that was a nice week off. Gotta love it. You gotta Tam love it. got in the background section, session and we, mm-hmm. all, we just walked away with, a, you know, I'd like to give that today. Thank you very much. <laughs> And I just yeah. heard my daughter again. Thank you very next. Anyway, moving Thank on. Thank you very next. Yeah. I got it. So I got to ask you, I mean, with your career and I mean, man, you've seen it all. And I mean, with, 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 with your plan. No, I haven't seen it, man. You know, you, I, I hang out. I mean, I I, I, let me say you've seen a lot. Done thousands of records. Uh-huh. I mean, Steve Lukather has probably played on literally thousands of records. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mike Landau on probably tens of thousands of records. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's just amazing how how mm-hmm. many of these these some of these people that have just done that much work. Okay, uh, it's crazy. You know, well, well, I was just I just got lucky for the for the moment, and it's something Steve Percaro said. He said, you know, when you when you're in a scene where there's a lot of a lot of employment out there, there's a lot of guys doing what a lot of doing a lot of different things. If you kind of become known for a specialty, it really makes your career move. Ah. Uh. And his was really programming synthesizers. He was so good at it. He's mm-hmm. still great at it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You walk in a studio, he's still got this giant mood. It's the size of a house, you know, with all the little wow. wires. And, you know, he, I said, you know how to work? I said, yeah, I use it still. 
mm-hmm. really, you know. Gotcha. And, okay. Uh, and and I was kind of a, a specialist in terms of arrangement, and I you know oh. I did the white side. I I did a lot of stuff. I mean, we call ourselves the Drambuie Dildos, but there was me and and Bobby Kimball and and Tom mm-hmm. Kelly. Mm-hmm. Did a lot of dates. Me and Kimball and Mike McDonald did a handful of dates together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Michael's, you know, you know about yeah. him. Right, about right, that right. I can right. think time, news, and weather to make it mm-hmm. work. Okay, yeah. okay. Then and, and, uh, uh, and then, I, you know, I, and I had a, the girls that I was singing with was Carmen Twilly and mm-hmm. Vinette Cloud. Was Carmen's, uh, and Carmen would usually sing tenor. I would sing alto and falsetto back when mm-hmm. I had a bit of a falsetto and Nettie would sing uh, sing soprano and we just did a whole mess of dates, especially during the disco era. Uh-huh. We were working okay. all the time. Uh-huh. Wow, yeah. wow. Okay, then let, let me rephrase that then. You've seen a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've seen you, a handful. You've seen a lot. With with the people that, with the kids that are coming up now, what advice would you have to offer them, you know, in, in light of the things you've seen like over your years in, in the business? Well, the, the main thing I've seen is that the, the way I did it is almost an impossibility now. Mm-hmm. I mean, I grew up in, like I say, upholstered sewers, playing clubs, playing dance halls, mm-hmm. playing an occasional, you know, I mean, before Chicago, I'm just talking about with the sons. Mm-hmm. I mean, from the age of, I want to say, 17 through 30, mm-hmm. I was just playing with the sons and we did every club. You know, we did a couple things on the road out, out, you know, out as far as New York and playing a few mm-hmm. different places, bottom line, mm-hmm. things like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and it was just one kind of one club after another. That band, we never got over the hump. You know, we, mm-hmm. we tried mm-hmm. and we just couldn't get over that first hump to get to the next place. Mm-hmm. I mean, we top build every, we top build Santana. We top build. Oh, yeah. Yep. We top build mm-hmm. Back in the day, they great were great records. Of, mm-hmm. They were kind of smart enough to really go after accessibility. I mean, mm-hmm. I met Steve Miller the day he moved into the Bay Area, and within a month he had a record deal, and within a month after that he had a top ten hit. Mm-hmm. Boom, mm-hmm. yeah, because mm-hmm. he he they you know no matter what changes musically those guys went through, they were. I mean, we did a double album with one of the songs was this one of the sides of the double album. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A song called mm-hmm. Freedom. It was just this long thing. Mm-hmm. So we were kind of. You know, and we and we sort of typically expected. I mean, we had a lot of a lot of instant notice because we were mm. really trying different things, but we didn't have that hit. hit oh, okay, okay, okay. You know, so would you would you advise them to to to, to stick with it or give up? <laughs> well, you gotta be able because the business the business has changed. It's it's yeah. totally changed. Yeah, if there's a business at all. Ah, mm-hmm. but you know, there's still a top ten. And there are ten mm-hmm. people there. Mm-hmm. They may not be making the money they used to make to be there, uh-huh. but if you can get there, it's happening. I mean, I, I've talked to somebody about my son Will. He's a monster, and and this uh, is, is a manager, very very successful manager. He said, "Have this one producer produce him, or he's not going to do anything." Oh, okay. Really, you got to go through that. Wow. You know? So there's always been processes that you or, uh, processes that you have to go through to get there. Mm-hmm. which I, I was never that good at going through. And sometimes I didn't even realize that's what you had to do. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to realize my, my, the beginning of my career was fraught with alcohol and drugs, mostly mm-hmm. weed, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I, I, I must've, I, I, I was, I always had a saying with the sons that, uh, 
you know, every time opportunity knocked, we answered the phone, you know I mean? We just <laughs> never, we just never got over the hump and the hump was something that we, that we put in front of ourselves. And, mm-hmm. and I think, I, I think in a lot of ways I still do. Mm-hmm. I can't play the game too much. Mm. Ah, and okay. I, and it's not like my music is better than that. Cause it isn't. I know what I am. I know, mm-hmm. you know, what I record and what I write is what I do. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. it, you know. Mm-hmm. And I and I've long since tried to stop saying, "Is it good? How does it compare?" It doesn't. Mm-hmm. I don't want to compare anything to anything. Mm-hmm. My mother told me something years and years ago about competition, and she said, "If you walk into a room where everybody's in competition, just remember, before you walk in the room, you already won. So you can afford to be totally gregarious with everybody because you're already won." Oh, wow. And, and she says, it's just a, a place to put your head so you don't have to get into this competitive bullshit. Mm-hmm. I know people who get up in the morning, compete with the world until they, they go to bed, they check out the scorecard, what do they win, what do they lose, uh-huh. and start it all the next day. It's just compete, 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 compete. So I don't, true. I don't care. You know? So true. I mean, especially at this age, why should I care? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm just doing what I do. I mean, you've heard my album. It's mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Not anybody else. I mean, there's there's Matheson in there. There's great players on it. Mm-hmm. All of that stuff's great. I, I did a handful of tours where the only press I got in Japan and in Sweden was this guy is so generous giving the spotlight to people on the stage. Mm-hmm. A lot mm-hmm. of people don't do that. Mm-hmm. I just go, I mean, you know, I'm putting together a band. I've got cassettes or, or CDs of what I did on the record. Mm-hmm. And I said, this is a place to start. Beat it. Ah. Better. Make it yours. Mm-hmm. So when mm-hmm. we're on the stage, I don't I never get that well. I'm playing what Bill played on the record. Mm-hmm. If the real signature, probably needed, but mm-hmm. everything else is your baby. Whatever you want to do. You if you got something that's better, and I almost always get something better out of everybody. It makes the, the music sound better. I don't think it's ever the arrangement is never over. Now, Chicago didn't feel that way. They always said, well, we got to go back and play it exactly like we did the original record. For a while, they were, mm. buying, for a while they were buying some rearrangement and modernizing and ta-da-da-da-da. But mm. at some point in the game, they went, no, no, no. They just pulled back. Mm-hmm. And that, that's when it just got, ah, oh, nah. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. It, well, I just was unhappy. It was just uh-huh. like, I, just, I don't see any room for creativity anywhere here. Mm-hmm. I had a great vocal night. Mm-hmm. You know, Tris is looking over at me like, Holy shit, what are you singing? Mm-hmm. And I'd look at the original guys in the band in Chicago and they're giving me the stink eye. They're giving wow. me this, oh, there you go again. Wow. You and, really? your, new, you and your Negro music, you know? What? Like, oh, wow, it's like that. Yeah, well, hey, wow. Chicago. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you want to see a racist town? Uh, uh-huh. Then uh-huh. It's just, it's, it, I've never seen anything like it. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm, Tamara mm-hmm. grew up in the South, lived up in Chicago for a while, moved back to the back to because her dad was in the oil business. So mm-hmm, she mm-hmm. she you know Arkansas. She was born in St. Louis, lived in Arkansas. One of them lived in uh, Decatur, Illinois, for a little mm-hmm, while, mm-hmm, and uh, and then moved back to Houston, I think. It, yeah, mm-hmm. so she outside of Houston, and that's kind of where I where she was living when she moved out here, and I ran into her. Mm-hmm. But she said. You know, I lived in the deep south of Arkansas, Texas. Mm-hmm. I've never mm-hmm. seen racism like like that northern city of Chicago. Wow. Never. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. 
Wow. Yeah. Amazing. You know, and everybody points the finger at the Southerners and you racist, you know, not, mm-hmm. not, not so much, as much as you think. <laughs> Go hang out in Chicago. Try the South Side for a minute and see what she's getting. Ah, and, wow, and it works both ways, too. It's, wow. there's, there's every kind of racism, reverse racism, left racism, right racism. It's mm-hmm. just the nature. I mean, somebody was telling me one time that the Lithuanians live in about a three-block area of Chicago and they're, they're kind of asked not to ever leave. <laughs> Does that sound like apartheid to you a little mm, bit? Mm, okay. <laughs> anyway, I don't know. There's another another tangent. I don't know. <laughs> no, all good. Hey, first of all, I, I man, <laughs> thank you. Like I said, I've been a long, 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 long time fan. You know, from from I way see. back from the Sons of Champlain. I hear you talking. You know, there's one quote on all the lyrics that are written on that whole record. One is, you know, reason to believe is really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's one quote in there in Stevie's song that I that I almost oh. named the record. But uh, music is a perfect path to love, mm. and, I, and I thought, whoa, that's that's a really good line. You know? mm-hmm. So I repeated mm-hmm. it in the song. Mm-hmm. I finished off the vocal in the song, mm-hmm. and uh, and I always thought it's that really is the truth. You know, that's why that's why the whole thing about uh, about the Stevie song, just in general, is there's. I love that let some music talk to you for a minute before you go burning things down and yelling and screaming and carrying signs and doing all this other shit. Of course, unless you're being paid to do that, which a lot of people are, which we all, we all know about. We've all seen that. We're pretty well, we're all pretty well aware of what's going on in some of that, you know? Right. But, uh, right. It's you know, and the and the chord progressions in there too. They're like just crazy. I mean, so good. yeah. There's one. I, I played it for Jay Gray, and he said, "Man, I had to go to the piano and figure out what that third right. chord was." What the <laughs> hell? Is that? It's a B right. flat in the in the left hand. Right. A C major chord with an A f- on the right hand with an A flat in the thumb. <laughs> I, I don't know what it's called. Demanded thirteenth. I have no uh-huh. idea what it. Uh-huh. That's mm-hmm. the thing. It's somebody. Uh, Tom Scott was telling me. He said, you know. I went to Tom, it was, uh, well, Tom just said, man, he went to work on a Steely Dan record. They didn't know any of the chords they were playing. What? John, uh, just said they're mood chords. They didn't know that 13th, you know, flat 13 mm-hmm. with a this and that. And they just mm-hmm. weren't, I think they are by now. You know, and it just, and the same thing with, you know, Al Jarreau never was a reader. He just mm-hmm. had, was, had such instant ability to just, you know, if, just to change the accidentals. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He knew he wasn't playing. He didn't need to know the chords. He's not a piano mm-hmm. player. Mm-hmm. All he needed to know is what accidental changes from where. And he just had such an ear he could pick it up without anybody. And he telling. went there. Wow! Oh, insane. That guy Amazing. was. It was the most natural singer I've ever met. Right. You know? Right. Amazing. Amazing. Miss him a lot. A I'm guy. sure. I'm sure we all do. We all do. I was <laughs> another another fan here. Another fan. Yeah. So. Well, listen, I've taken up like a lot of your time. I really appreciate no you problem. giving me that time to do. I really had fun hey, with man, this. You're good hang, man. You, do, you, you got this going on. And uh, Thank you. Thank what's you. What's your daughter's name, Ashley? Ashley, yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, and and my I'll, son also. We'll my son. Find some more, we'll find some more quotes. quotes. <laughs> my son also, Ian, the, the bridge that you did in, in um, uh, the bridge in the song where you break into the breakdown and all that stuff and the, the whole vocal thing that's happening. He would sing that part like all the time. I'm like he's just one voice and he's singing like all these different parts. So, Which song? Um, already, already gone. Already gone. <laughs> yeah, where you did like the 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 little breakdown thing in, in there. Yeah. I was like, yeah. Well, me and Jason, uh, you know, Jason and I have, have worked together so much over the years. 
Mm -hmm. Especially even on Chicago records, it would, you know, once David, you know, when David was out of there, we knew we can't, we better, we better do this ourselves. Oh, uh, wow. Okay. You know, we don't, we're not just taking notes from the booth. We got to do it ourselves. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, we did a whole acapella album for Japan with uh, Whoa. me, Jason, Joseph Williams. Mm -hmm. And and then we brought Bobby Kimball in at the end to sing mm -hmm. some some lead stuff. It's another monster. Background things. Great mm -hmm. great pipes, Bobby. Mm -hmm. But uh, but we just you know and so you know Jay DeMarcus was actually going on the road. Hey, I had some road gigs with Rascal Flatts. Here's here's my studio. Just take a break every twenty minutes and let the let the Pro Tools cool down because my my air conditioner broke on my machine mm -hmm. there. Mm -hmm. But uh, go ahead and just do the backgrounds. Wow. And Jason knows me well enough to know, okay, Bill's going to probably catch a thing. <laughs> what are my notes? Let's go. You know, and, and, right. you know, unless he's got one, if he's got one, I'm going, uh -huh. what, are, what are my notes? You know? uh -huh. Uh -huh. And, uh, and we, we just kind of know what can blend and how it can blend where, you know what I mean? Awesome. We did, awesome. we did some stuff on a Chicago Christmas record and it was mm -hmm. me and Jason stacking everything for the background. Mm -hmm. And after about mm -hmm. four or five songs, I said, I'm running out of tricks. <laughs> Let's bring in Carmen Twilley. So we brought Carmen over, uh -huh. and she's such a good singer. She sang, mm -hmm. uh, uh, I think, "Rhythm of Life" on the on the uh, Lion King. Uh, uh, uh -huh. Carmen's bad, bad, bad. I mean, she taught really? me more how to, really? not necessarily what to arrange, but where. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. She, she she hit me to the where. Awesome. You know, awesome. In background days, David David Foster put me and her and and Nettie together, and we ended up uh -huh. doing great stuff. Great, great. So we brought Carmen and said, I got to get another ear on it. So we asked the producer, Roy Bitten, who's he plays keyboards with uh, Springsteen, but he's a really cool guy. Uh huh. Uh huh. Good accordion player. If you can oh, you no. know, mm. play accordion, go to jail. You know what I mean? <laughs> he, you ever hear the one where the guy's got an accordion player's? Yeah, guy? yeah. Uh huh. You know the one I'm talking about. <laughs> awesome, awesome. Great, well, great. Car. <laughs> four more accordions right right well well listen again bill bill thank you thank you again so much for doing this thank you for being on the playground with me where the Thanks, players Eddie. play and boy did you man talk another master class and i love this i mean the things you that you spoke about the things that you have seen i mean again thank you very next check please <laughs> <laughs> until next time my friend thank you so much for being on the playground okay.